Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, eating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. Thanks to Outdoor Voices for supporting Muller, she wrote. Outdoor Voices makes high-quality active apparel that transitions seamlessly and fashionably from gym life to everyday activities. For 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com MSW and enter promo code MSW at checkout. And here's another great podcast for our listeners to check out. It comes from the legendary editor of Vanity Fair and The New Yorker, Tina Brown. In TBD with Tina Brown, Tina sits down for candid conversations with some of the most interesting people around, including Kara Swisher, Michael Douglas, Aaron Sorkin, and more. Subscribe to TBD with Tina Brown wherever you get your podcasts. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. All right, guys, we have a crazy episode for you today. Uh, Jordan, you're going to talk about how the NRA illegally coordinated with the Trump campaign. Classic. (laughs) Classic. And Jaleesa, uh, in your uh, Racial Maddow segment, you're going to talk about some undocumented immigrants working at Trump's New Jersey golf course. Oh, yeah. Great story. Uh, I'm going to be covering the Flynn, Cohen, and Manafort filings along with uh, the rest of the news. But I have a correction from last week, and I feel pretty stupid. Uh, Last week... When Alderman Burke's offices were closed in Chicago, I had reported this as though it was Alderman and Burke and like they were tax attorneys. But apparently Burke is an alderman. 
Alderman is a title. Uh, he's an elected official. There's 50 of them, uh, one from each ward, and together they make up the city council, which serves as the legislative branch for the city of Chicago. And that office was shuttered shortly after Deutsche Bank was raided for issues surrounding the Panama Papers, which Trump was suspicious, suspiciously absent from. Uh, but Alderman Burks, or excuse me, Alderman Burke handled Trump's Chicago taxes for 12 years. So put some beans on there being some sort of a Alderman Burke, Chicago real estate tax, money laundering, Deutsche Bank, Panama Papers connection. And thanks to our Chicago listeners for, for that assist. I had no idea they were called aldermans. Yeah, me neither. No way. I'm glad we still use such proper sounding titles in America. Right? It sounds like an old English yeah. alderman. <laughs> I'm alderman. 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 Also a horse. horse. Yeah, why, why did that happen? <laughs> Hello, I'm Alderman Burke. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, or maybe he's one of those 1930s guys. Like, yeah, see, I'm Alderman Burke. See? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be that. We don't know. All right, you guys, we have a ton of news uh, to get to. I don't even know how we're going to do it. So let's jump in with just the facts. All right. So all week, the rumor mill about Pence was swirling. Um, and it started last weekend. And there were all kinds, there was all kinds of speculation that perhaps Pence was the subject of that sealed subpoena battle going on with Mueller right now in the D.C. appellate court, or that he might resign so Trump can appoint someone not compromised by Russia that could pardon him. Um, The truth is, we just don't know what's up with Pence, other than he's insulated himself very well, and uh, probably not good enough, and that Trump is eyeing his chief of staff, Ayers, to replace John Kelly as his own chief of staff. But I was reminded about something we covered way back in episode eight, and I encourage you to check out episode eight. It was a very important episode. And in it, we talk about the GSA and how they handed over all of the Trump transition emails to Mueller without a fight. So GSA stands for General Services Administration, and they're the agency within the government that manages presidential transition emails, among many other things. And uh, Trump had apparently installed an ally named Beckler in the GSA so that he could maintain control over the transition emails and the transition materials. But that guy died. Uh, I don't mean to laugh, but um, you'll, you'll find out why it's funny in a second. And, and when Mueller wanted those Trump transition team emails from GSA, he pretty much just walked in and asked for them, and they gave them to him. Hmm. <laughs> and to be fair... Um, If they'd fought him on it, Mueller probably would still have won because it's a GSA and he's got access to that. But there wasn't even a fight. um, And it upset Trump a lot. He's like, this is bad. This is really bad. Uh, He tweeted out that Mueller obtained the emails improperly, but he didn't. Uh, And the thing I can't help but remember about is um, whatever emails Pence sent and received during that time, Mueller has. Pence was head of the transition team. Right. Mueller has those. Every time I hear a GSA, I keep thinking Gay Straight Alliance, <laughs> which is funny if Pence is involved with that. <laughs> yeah, highly doubt it. He probably wanted to change the name. Uh, we need to change the name of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be associated with the Gay Straight Alliance. Yeah. yeah. Um, something else occurred to me this week as I was working on a story about the potential collusion between Manafort, Stone, Corsi, Trump, and all the others to get their story straight and to, you know, offer pardons and stuff. If you recall, they're, they're all in a joint defense agreement or a JDA. And that means they share information among their legal teams. Not to mention the information um, sharing they're doing right out in the open um, includes, like, Corsi releasing, a dra- releasing his draft plea agreement with Mueller. Um, he said he intended to turn down, or that Trump leaked some of his answers to Mueller's written questions, 
or Manafort blowing up his plea deal out in public. Uh, all in all, there are 27 parties in Trump's joint defense agreement. But uh, if just one person breaks that deal, uh, Mueller will have a witness or witnesses that could testify to possible witness tampering or suborning or dangling pardons by Trump. So we had some early dropouts from the JDA, including Flynn and Gates, but uh, we have more recent ones, too. And depending on when Trump tried to make his deal with potential witnesses, if he did, some of the later defectors could have information on those discussions, like Cohen, for example. And we've heard rumblings this week that Cohen thought he was being offered a pardon in exchange for singing the same song as Trump. So there's also Nunberg, who at first was resisting <laughs> the subpoena and got drunk and told everybody, he's you're taken from my cold, dead hands or whatever. And uh, Corsi could defect from Camp Trump, too, though he's seemingly still there. But in any case, I'm interested to see who, if anyone, was offered or was aware of an offer like that from Trump and if they're willing to testify about it. And after talking to Renato Mariotti last week, we know that um, that kind of obstruction is really hard to prove, but perhaps witness testimony could help with that. So Dangling pardons, yeah. proving that, yeah. Or that they were all trying to get their stories straight. Mm -hmm. And that happened a little bit um, this week also in the Cohen papers, which we'll talk about in the in the Cohen sentencing yeah. uh, memorandums. And Am, am I mistaken when um, I, I remember that Corsi is the one who tweeted out all those nasty things about Trump recently? Was that him? That was Credico. Okay, there we go. Because I was like, why would he do that? But okay, I see the difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Corsi is still like nunberging it up pretty Got much, it. but mm -hmm. he hasn't defected yet. Okay, okay. But he's the one who released that draft plea agreement mm -hmm. where they were going to offer him probation only in exchange for, you know, uh, his testimony. Mm -hmm. How is that not illegal? Uh, releasing that document? Yeah. Uh, it, it it depends on whether or not it was part of a coordinated attempt to collude their answers, to to make public their answers. And, and when we talk about the Cohen filing, about uh, it was mentioned specifically in the document that he went public. It wasn't just that he told Congress that he had, um, you know, lied about the when the Trump Tower Moscow ended, but he did it publicly. And they said that that, you know, they, they alluded to that being obstruction of justice because mm -hmm. it's collusory. Mm -hmm. And so that, that because he's basically coming out and telling all potential witnesses what to say when they testify to Congress. And then shortly after, of course, Congress hands over all these um, uh, transcripts of testimony to Mueller. Like, oh, here here's everyone else who said oddly exactly what Cohen said about right. the Trump Tower Moscow stopping in January instead of June and how that actually could have negatively or impacted the investigation. He was trying to steer the um you know the 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 narrative right of 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 the investigation which and i don't think unless they had a case that there was some sort of a collusory attempt to get their story straight um and they said that he had circulated these documents his congressional documents uh around the administration to solidify what everybody was going to you know say it, and i don't think releasing these kind of things publicly is the problem i think being able to prove that it was part of a coordinated effort to mislead the investigation and obstruct justice right. and tamper with witnesses. Right, because he, he can still go back and still take the plea agreement. If he releases the draft agreement, then at least everyone, like you said, that are in the same team together, basically, the collusory team, they can get all of their... <laughs> They could be like, oh, okay, this is what they're looking for. Let's get our story straight on that. And then he can go back and still accept that plea agreement because I guess it's probably not going to change the information they're looking for. No. And right. what it would be in exchange for. And then, yeah, just need some public records and get those motherfuckers in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for that new nickname, Colusers. Colusers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Colooser. Put the L on your forehead. Oh, God. Smash mouth.
You kill me. Dude, I saw them once at like a reunion tour. I'm sorry. It was in a Henderson pavilion. It was like it was like where you'd see smooth jazz and right, that's like smash me. mouth. <laughs> They're playing state fairs now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it's going for them. Okay. Loser. Uh, <clears throat> another case was filed early in the week challenging the appointment of Matthew fucking Whitaker. Another one. Uh, basically a convicted drug trafficker who was resentenced after Whitaker was installed. Uh, his attorney has asked to set aside the new sentence on the grounds that the new attorney general's appointment was unconstitutional and therefore has no authority to resentence him or preside over the, you know, the agency that resentenced him. And this is just one of a bunch of legal challenges to Whitaker's appointment. And we'll keep you posted as we know more. Uh, people are just asking judges to get rid of him. Like, our, you know, our, what we want is for you to make him not the attorney general, make Rosenstein the attorney general by the Succession Act, mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll discuss what the resentencing situation should be. Uh, later Monday, Michael Isakoff, he's one of the authors of Russian Roulette, which we reviewed, very good book. He reported that Mueller was fine with the Senate's request to start subpoenaing people in the obstruction case, indicating to me at least that Mueller is fine with the testimony of key witnesses being made public, public now, and that could indicate that he has what he needs, mm -hmm. um, though I still have no idea how he can wrap that report up when Trump finds new ways to obstruct justice pretty much every day. <laughs> I just see Kudos him like... for innovation for that. Yeah, like he's just like, stop bringing the law. I got to get this report done. It just keeps adding to addendum, addendum, addendum. It's going to be funny. Uh, funny, peculiar, not funny, haha. -ha. Uh, then Tuesday, we learned Jeffrey Epstein settled out of court and won't face trial. And this really upsets me. Uh, if you remember from last week, he was given that sweetheart deal where he only served a light 13 months in jail, not prison, and he got a work release program, so he's only there 12 hours a day, and he got immunity uh, for him and any of his co-conspirators after raping 30 girls. That was just the, what they had, FBI had gathered evidence on. There was probably far more than that. And now the AG that gave him that sweet deal is, is Trump's labor secretary. Mm. Weird. Uh, but I'm really mad about this. I wanted him to have his day in court. And he basically just bailed out of that. Yeah. Bought his way out of it. Yeah. He didn't have to hear testimony from any of the victims. Yeah. And that's I really wanted them to be able to have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, the lawyer of the victims did say it was a win on some levels for the accusers. Um, we actually have a minisode about that um, that we'll do soon. But but basically, yeah, he said that even though this was a, a bailout, so to speak, for, for Epstein, he still has a follow up trial that this first trial helped them get more information for i believe so he may still have to face the music soon enough but he's gotten away with it so far so it's kind of like one of those things where we'll see but yeah the lawyer thinks edwards the victim's lawyer he thinks that they're going to be able to take him with this next trial well good and the, i mean the other concern too is that trump gave a high position to the guy who gave epstein the sweetheart deal yeah and i can't help but think it's because trump is one of those co-conspirators yeah um, head of the sex labor department. Yeah, and he owned a modeling agency around that time. And so, ugh, that's just gross. Tricky. One more yeah. reason to impeach Trump. He's got so many things that I'm sure he's tied to that, yeah, for justice, got to get rid of him. Yeah, the victims also maybe could have not wanted to testify. That could have been something they would have rather not done. But considering there were so many, I, I highly doubt all of them yeah, apparently didn't want that three chance. three of them were going to come forward, at least three, yeah. yeah. I think there were some, probably not others, but you just... I wanted them to have that day mm -hmm. um, in court. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, well, some might call it justice anyway, because he did pay a pretty heavy restitution, mm -hmm. but uh, he should have paid that in the first place in the criminal trial that he got let off the hook for, and the civil trial should have been different, but... Totally. 
Oh, well, um, it sucks. It sucks a lot. So, yeah, check out that mini-sode. We're going to go over that in a mini-sode this week, right? Oh, yeah, this yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, then Tuesday, we found out Sam Nunberg, uh, who has met with investigators for special counsel, <laughs> is a longtime Roger Stone aide, and he has agreed to meet with the Senate Intel Committee in January as part of the investigation into Russian election interference. If you remember, Nunberg was previously determined not to cooperate with special counsel, <laughs> threatening to ignore a subpoena, say, let him arrest me, I don't care. <laughs> And then that nice lawyer lady was like, that's a bad idea, bro. And he changed his mind. Yeah, the real VIP is that <laughs> lawyer <air>. lady. <laughs> yeah. It sounds a lot like Corsi to me, right? Yeah. Uh, and Jordan, we talked about this. We think you're probably going to fold like a cheap suit, um, Corsi. So Nunberg was uh, summoned by the Senate. Uh, summoned. We summon you. They used to say his name three times in front of a mirror. And you have been chosen. <laughs> Corsi, Corsi, Corsi. Or, excuse me, Nunberg, Nunberg, Nunberg. Yeah. Um, and Roger Stone was also asked for documents. And instead of agreeing to appear like Nunberg, Stone has said he will plead the fifth, uh, which he didn't need to do because they only asked him for documents. <laughs> and it was DiFi, so she's not quite yet the majority leader. She's not the chair, so she doesn't have subpoena power. So he wasn't subpoenaed, and they just asked for documents. It's not necessarily plead the fifth when you are asked to produce documents. Um, this is especially hilarious considering all the things Trump has said about people who plead the fifth. Mm-hmm. If you remember when Hillary was your staff pleading the fifth, guilty, mobs do that, mob, fifth, plead, you suck. Yeah. And now you're stoned like, I'm pleading the fifth to a document request, which yeah. you don't have to do. <laughs> you paranoid, bro? Yeah. It's oh, like when a cop stops you and you run away, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going, buddy? <laughs> Everything okay? Yeah. No. We're just looking for a cat in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Over there. The we cat have colluded. Get, have to get there fast. Uh, also, Tuesday, pre-stop uh, left the FBI. Pre-stop, who currently serves as the assistant director of counterintelligence division, is set to retire by the end of the year. Uh, he's the last of the old guard of high-ranking FBI officials that helped oversee the investigation uh, into 2016 Russian election meddling and the investigation into Hillary's emails. So the Wall Street Journal says his retirement is unrelated to the investigations and he's simply retiring because he served his 20 years and he, he's done. He wants to go. Hmm. Just like all the other people who worked on the Russia investigation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <clears throat> then we got the Flynn sentencing document on Tuesday we were all waiting for. Uh, and I'll go over that later in the show. Wednesday, we learned that the RNCC was hacked again. Uh, this past election cycle. This, in combination with what we know about the first RNC hack, where none of the materials were released, adds to the speculation that foreign actors have stolen from both sides but have only weaponized hack materials from the left, from the Democrats. Uh, Reports indicate that the RNCC hack was executed by a foreign actor, but it doesn't confirm that it was Russia. Well, they could still weaponize it just behind closed doors via compromise. Yeah, yeah. That's precisely Mm -hmm. correct, and it could explain why Rand Paul is all up... Putin's butthole and like just it's ridiculous. I'd assume he has like a really clean butthole though for some reason. Putin? So, yeah. Dude, Why do I think probably got that? a whole crew of butthole maintenance. That's what I was, yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna You're say. That rich? Yeah. Like a human bidet team. <laughs> this is my Trump's ass. hair. <laughs> this is my ass entourage. <laughs> and they all walk in dun 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 and they all walk in slow motion. They got all their butt cleaning tools. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like a chimney sweep. Oh, yeah. But for butts. <laughs> but for butts. Jim Jiminy. All right. That gives a whole new meaning to me f- for the Mary Poppins <laughs> yeah. song. He's got to fit his head up there. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. There's a lot of people with their heads up there. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Oh. 
Also Wednesday, we learned that uh, the Trump Organization was subpoenaed for business records along with additional subpoenas. And NPR reported Monday that Maryland and, and uh, New York or Southern District of New York or D.C. Maryland and D.C. were getting ready to subpoena the Trump administration they, or the Trump Organization. And they did uh, Wednesday. So they were subpoenaed for business records along with additional subpoenas served to a dozen linked entities in a lawsuit challenging Trump's business ties while in office. D.C. Attorney Carl Racine said that he can confirm all Trump Organization entities have been served. Um, the lawsuit brought by D.C. and Maryland claims that Trump is in violation of the Emoluments Clause in the Constitution, meaning payments from foreign governments benefiting the Trump International Hotel have continued into Trump's presidency, um, among other things. So we'll keep you posted. Watch those space beans. Mm -hmm. And speaking of violating the Emoluments Clause, we learned Wednesday that a Saudi-funded lobbyist paid for 500 rooms at Trump's hotel in D.C. within weeks of Trump's election. Uh, in all, the lobbyist spent more than $270,000 at the Trump International Hotel in downtown D.C., which Trump still owns. Um, the lobbyists uh, have said they only booked at Trump's hotel because there was a discount. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That tree's in discount. <laughs> it was only $750 a night. There's no other hotels. Uh, there's 800 other hotels right. that are cheaper than that. Um and that uh, they, they only did it because there was a discount, not to curry favor with Trump. And the quote is, absolutely not. It had nothing to do with that. Not one bit. That's what Michael Gibson says, a Maryland-based lobbyist who helped organize the trips. His lobbying firm being in Maryland could explain why it's D.C. and Maryland uh, state attorneys general that are filing the suit. Oh. Uh, oddly enough, the trips were part of an unorthodox campaign that offered U.S. military veterans a free trip to Washington, D.C., all expenses paid. And then they sent these veterans to Capitol Hill to lobby against a law that the Saudis opposed. Um, the veterans were never told they were lobbying on behalf of Saudi Arabia. What the fuck? Or that it was the Saudis footing the bill. Uh, adding to the unabashed exploitation of veterans for political purposes, yeah. I might add. Uh, and speaking of lobbying firms, it was reported Wednesday that uh, the New York Post has said that the feds are ramping up their probe in two lobbying firms with uh, ties to Manafort. According to the Associated Press, in a flurry of new activity, flurry, <laughs> uh, Justice Department prosecutors have begun interviewing witnesses related to the Podesta Group and the Mercury Public Affairs Group. It's not that Podesta. Oh, okay. <laughs> different Podesta. Got it, got it. Um, this is all related to Tony Podesta and Vin Weber, who did not register as foreign agents for Ukrainian lobbying work done on behalf of Manafort. And also, speaking of that, it's been pointed out to me several times now, and I just haven't learned yet. I keep referring to Ukraine as the Ukraine, <laughs> which is left over from former Soviet, the former Soviet Union, and it's improper. So I apologize for that. I mean no ill will. I think it comes from growing up and watching ice skating and gymnastics so much in the <laughs> 80s and 90s. Um, but I'll do my best to stop uh, referring to it as the Ukraine, and I apologize if I've offended anyone. It's certainly not intentional. Thanks to everyone for pointing that out. <laughs> keep doing it, because I apparently keep, I can't stop. Yeah. yeah, Julissa and I have age privilege. We never even knew that was ever a thing. Exactly. I have <laughs> no idea. Yeah, we, we just always grew up calling it the Ukraine, and, and that's not cool anymore. Got it, got it. <clears throat> They're like their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sovereign nation. Ukraine. Nice. The Ukraine. It seems more important, sort of, when you say it that right, way. Right, like the Ohio State University? Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they do it the same way. Yeah. Um, Like the United States of America. I don't know. But yeah. they've asked me to stop, so I'll stop. Yeah. I don't mean to. Finally, Wednesday, The Hill reported that the Trump team is considering removing Pence from the 2020 ticket. According to two sources familiar with the meetings about Pence, the Trump team believes that Pence doesn't expand Trump's coalition. Uh, additionally, the sources have said that Trump isn't putting much into the 2020 campaign and seems wildly unprepared for the election. Uh, that's the reporting. 
My conjecture is that he isn't focusing on a run in 2020 because he knows he won't be on the ticket in 2020. And this ties in nicely with the story about sources close to Trump telling the Daily Beast he has repeatedly shrugged off the ballooning debt because he won't be around to shoulder the blame when it becomes untenable. He says, quote, yeah, I won't be here. Uh, mm. That's what Trump said in a meeting about the debt crisis. That's when? Unconscionable. This week. Jesus. Yeah. Well, maybe he means like I physically won't be on this earth anymore <laughs> one way or another. Yeah, He's like, I don't care. It's not. I'll be gone. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't think he was focused on the 2016 election either. <laughs> that's good. That's it's a very just, good point. This has all just been a whirlwind of surprises for him. Yeah. He just keeps finding <laughs> himself in places. <laughs> he was also wildly unprepared for 2016. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so tw- yeah, he just hasn't been caring. Uh, people are like, you got to start setting that shit up. I know he hired Parscale, Brad Parscale, to be the campaign chief in 2020. He's oh. the guy who got the whole Cambridge Analytica data analysis shit going. Uh, I don't think he's I think he's going to be indicted. So I don't think he's going to be able to run any campaigns, although that seems to be a trend with his campaign managers um, being criminals. So, yeah, true, true. America has this dynamic with Trump like that girls have with emotionally absent men, you know, (laughs) where you like want them to love you. So you're like, love me. But they're like, I don't even care. Yeah. (laughs) And then you just invest so much of them. and You elect them as president of the United States. Yeah, dude, it makes them more powerful. deserve more. (laughs) We deserve better America. Yeah, I don't I don't know how he's going to get 2020 going when all of his all of his dudes are going to be indicted. Somebody actually said if if Trump wants Hillary to go to prison so bad, he should have hired her to be on his campaign. That's funny. <laughs> that yeah. was a good tweet. Maybe being unprepared is his strategy. I, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. People like it. Yeah, yeah. Worked for him, I guess, before. But mm-hmm. I think he was pretty well prepared in the Russian collusion part of it. True. Right. He seems like it, at least. Yeah, he, I think he I think he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. Not yet. Not this week, but we'll find out <laughs> eventually. Every week we'll say that. <laughs> just tune in next week. Yeah, just, keep, just keep sticking with us. Stick with us. Hang in there. It, it'll come out. It will. Yeah, one um, day we're like, it's here. As will all the redactions in the in the memos that came out, the sentencing memorandums and uh, documents that came out this week. Um, so we'll be going over that later in the show. And uh, we'll, you know, I, I, I can't wait to talk about those. But Yeah, that'll yeah. be a fun day, fun episode in oh. the future. Oh, when, when this full report comes out. I'm talking about today. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's you. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of meat on the bone. It's not all the meat, but there's some of it, so (laughs) stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. We want to thank Outdoor Voices for supporting our podcast. Outdoor Voices believes that harder and faster and stronger is not necessarily always better. So they design gear for doing things, being active and just kind of being casual. And their, their stuff is great because it's versatile to go from working out to hanging out. Um, they use this great material um, that wicks sweat. My favorite is their signature textured compression. Um, and I have leggings and they have sports bras. Jordan, you got some sports bras. Do you love them? I did. Yeah, I love them very much. I really like the selection process too online. They have a lot of different designs. So typically sports bras get kind of boring, you know, with the same cut. They have a bunch of different cuts, a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different styles. And they're super cute and they're really comfortable. And just like you said, you can go from hanging out during the day to working out to going back to hanging out. And you don't need to change your bra at all. Wow, that's nice. What'd you get, Jaleesa? I got some really cute polka dot shorts and a hoodie, and uh, it's totally my style. I love things that are casual, but also really cozy. The fabric is so soft, and I feel like I could sleep in it, I could work out in it, just wear it all day long, and I have the right, you know, perfect fit. And the other cool thing is they have completely hassle-free returns. So if something doesn't fit, you just send it back, free shipping, uh, and they won't 
you know, they won't stop until you're totally satisfied with your products. And nice. I really appreciate that. And, and more importantly, well, not more importantly, but as important is they're very into sustainability. And that is important to us as well um, for the planet. But, um, you know, whether you're looking to, you know, add some running shorts to your wardrobe or you just want something comfy or some stuff to work out in, things that you can take from working out to, you know, casual hangs, this is the awesome stuff. And they have a hashtag on social media called hashtag doing things. Um, they're uniting exercisers who basically just like to have fun. Um, and Freeform is, is a cozy, soft material, like you said, perfect for stretchy activities like yoga. So check them out. You can get 20% off your first order of $100 or more by visiting outdoorvoices.com slash MSW and enter promo code MSW. That's 20% off your first order of $100 or more by visiting outdoorvoices.com slash MSW. And don't forget to use the MSW code at checkout. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, welcome back. We're on Thursday. Uh, when we learned Ecuador says that Britain has provided sufficient guarantees that Assange would not be extradited to a country where he would face the death penalty, and they're ready to let him go. <laughs> um, I, I keep wondering what's going to happen to his cat. Um, the reason we might not have seen the Stone indictment could be could be because Mueller is waiting for an agreement with the UK to extradite Assange before he unseals the charges. I thought about that. Um, that's conjecture, by the way. There may be several other factors affecting the delay in the Stone indictments, including the Miller subpoena battle. Andrew Miller, the house painter who was did his scheduling, Stone <laughs> scheduling. He's fighting the constitutionality of Mueller's appointment. He'll lose uh, in that subpoena battle. Um, and maybe there's even a push to get Corsi to go to Nunberg and flip on Stone. Um, in other Assange news, The Guardian reported Thursday that Mueller is examining Ted Malik's appearances on the Kremlin-controlled Russian television RT. Um, Mueller's investigators have asked Ted Malik, the London-based cutout that Corsi used as a go-between for Stone and Assange while he was talking to Trump late into the night. Um, they're asking him about his appearances on RT because RT has a close relationship with Assange. The story also reveals that RT staff met with Assange the same day Corsi emailed Stone. Uh, I'm sure this is all part of the Roger Stonehenge uh, investigation and the possibility that he was the linchpin uh, between WikiLeaks and the Trump campaign. Uh, I'm sure all or most will be revealed when we finally get the Stone indictments. But again, that could be delayed for several reasons. And, and one of them could be that secret subpoena battle or the Miller subpoena battle or waiting for Assange to be extradited or at least free to be extradited to the United States before he unseals those indictments yeah. i think they're already sealed i think they're already existing Blank. indictments yeah they're just sealed mm -hmm. what a web of criminality stonehenge has become it's so gross yeah <laughs> i looks at it and he's just like ah my life's work <laughs> i can go to jail happy now yeah <laughs> i think he wants to <laughs> yeah he wants to go out in a big flame i think yeah and I, he probably will uh, he'll probably ref refuse everything might flee who knows? Yeah, I think Trump still might flee. I'm hanging on to that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. That'd be cool. Uh, also, Thursday, we learned Bannon interviewed with the Senate Intel panel on Cambridge Analytica last month. According to the Daily Beast, Bannon faced questions about the now defunct data company in a closed-door session. Richard Burr, Mark Warner, and Bannon's attorney have declined to comment. But it's important to note that Bannon's attorney is still the same lawyer used by former White House counsel Don McGahn and the former White House chief of staff under Trump, Ryan's Priebus, mole. Um, and that's important because if you're a lawyer representing three dudes or three people, all three people have to be telling the same story. You can't have that conflict of interest. Um, so presumably Bannon, Priebus, and uh, uh, McGahn are all 
telling the same story. Yeah, telling yeah. the same story. These are all people Trump has publicly turned against too. So hopefully they're all motivated <laughs> to actually tell the truth and give some good information. Yeah, and we've got a lot of uh, past episodes on Cambridge Analytica. So if you want to look up what that was, that's the the company basically that was stealing the fifty or not stealing, but well, yeah, stealing fifty million Facebook users' uh, information and using it uh, in politically psychographics uh, to politically manipulate voters. Um, so that's what that Cambridge Analytica. They're now closed. They've been closed. And they renamed themselves too, though. Yes, they did. <laughs> they came out and and Parscale is part of that, which is the guy who Trump. We talked about he's head of the 2020. It's all whack a mole, man. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Whack a Priebus. <laughs> <laughs> just see the whack a mole game with little Priebuses <laughs> coming out of it. Prebuy. Oh, Prebuy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see. In Maria Butina news this week, the Red Devil, uh, there was a conference call Thursday morning between her lawyers, the federal prosecutors, and the judge in her case. The content of the call was placed under seal by request of the defense. Not the government. The government just agreed to it, which indicates that uh, either health issues were discussed or defense strategy was discussed. I tend to think it was defense strategy because shortly thereafter, a public defender was appointed to Butina's case. Uh, We don't know if her current legal team is on the way out or not. I heard rumors that she wants to defend herself uh, and they may be appointed this public defender to be like, don't do that. (laughs) But I can't confirm that. Um, I haven't been able to corroborate that, but... uh, They also may have discussed her mental health status as she's been in solitary confinement since November 21st. And we know from a previous episode that we did reporting that her defense team was concerned about her mental health. Health issues uh, and defense strategy seem to be two of the main reasons that hearings are placed under seal um, because the health stuff is HIPAA under falls under HIPAA Health Insurance Portability Accountability Act. Um, basic privacy act for health stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we also learned from the hearing that they're no longer pushing for a subpoena. And Butina's hearing previously scheduled for December 18th has been canceled, which says to me she's cooperating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep that in mind for your Fantasy Indictment League draft this week. Um, in related news, we learned Thursday that Paul Erickson, Butina's Republican boyfriend, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast guy, uh, has received a letter saying he can expect to be indicted under Section 951 of the U.S. US Code, a law barring people from secretly acting as agents of a foreign government. Um, this is less than full espionage and is typically referred to as espionage light, but it's more than just failure to register as a foreign agent. The letter also said he could be indicted for conspiracy to watch for Paul Erickson indictment, um, indictments in the Butina case. <laughs> Poor NRA beard. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, maybe oh. they'll let them share a cell together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gross. Constantly be together. <laughs> and even though this is uh, outside of the Mueller investigation, I, I say it would count toward the Fantasy Indictment League because it's related to Russian interference in the mm. 2016 election. Uh, more news Thursday that Trump is considering William Barr as the leading candidate for uh, attorney general, replacing Matthew fucking Whitaker. Barr served briefly under Papa Bush in the early 90s. Um, he said some disparaging things about the Mueller probe. Uh, so there's that. We have to keep that in mind. And speaking of Whitaker, this week the Department of Justice offered some guidance on his oversight of the Mueller probe, but then not really. Uh, in a report by the Washington Post Friday, the Justice Department has received requests for advice and issued guidance concerning Whitaker's involvement in the special counsel's investigation of Russian interference, according to department records. The record's existence shows for the first time that the issue is a point of discussion within the Justice Department. The Justice Department uh, is acknowledging they found the records in response to a FOIA request, that's a Freedom of Information Act request, filed by Lawfare, who uh, shared the response with the Washington Post. So Lawfare asked for all um, 
records of requests for advice, authorizations, determinations, guidance, and all requests for advice, authorizations, authorizations, determinations, and guidance, or <laughs> legal issues arising from Whitaker's appointment, along with anything the Justice Department had provided regarding ethical or legal issues arising from Whitaker's role. So he's basically like, give us everything you got on Whitaker. Uh, and all the requests and advice that you received about him. And the office responded. They said they found 13 pages of such records, but we're withholding those documents, citing a legal exemption that allows the government to keep private any internal communications that might be protected by attorney-client privilege or could be considered deliberative in nature. So basically, Lawfare asked, Justice says we have some, but you can't see them. Yeah, mm. yeah, classic. <laughs> that old chestnut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then some great reporting uh, in the Trace and Mother Jones about NRA and and Trump running a seemingly coordinated ad campaign, which is illegal, came out. And Jordan, you have that story for us later. I do, yeah. Then do you guys remember the U.S. v. Gamble? Uh, Yeah. It's a case about the guy who went to prison and then was charged for the same crime in state court. And everybody was worried that if the dual uh, sovereignty doctrine were overturned, that Trump could pardon folks in the Mueller probe and they wouldn't be able to be tried again in state court. Right. And everyone was freaking out. And I told everyone to chill. (laughs) Well, chill, because the oral arguments in the Gamble case this week indicate that SCOTUS is in no mood to overturn the dual sovereignty doctrine, uh, and the rule should remain in place, meaning that folks like Manafort and Trump can still be charged in state court for crimes they were charged for in federal court. Um, They haven't made their ruling yet. That's not until the summer, but the justices made clear that they didn't seem like they wanted to turn over this rule. Even Kavanaugh was like, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i want to shit on him every time i hear his name but but in this case i guess he's being reasonable yeah yeah and also it just seems like a lot could happen between now and the summertime so i wonder if they're open to changing their mind at all too no i mean probably not usually they have the arguments and then that's it but like and then they come out with their decision but i mean they have that whole time to come up with their decision but basically they were like this is a hundred year old rule um it's been upheld over 30 times uh, by precedent and other judges, so uh, you know <laughs> that was RGB. Eh. <laughs> How is she doing, by the way? I haven't heard a health update in a while. Uh, good, back cool. on the bench. Nice, so, being a badass. Benching one twenty, probably. <laughs> Dude, I can't even do that. She probably benched more than me for sure. Yeah. Um, in a weird twist, this Thursday we learned that Brian Benchkowski, the guy Trump appointed to run the criminal division of Maine Justice, that also represented Alpha Bank after it got caught communicating with the Trump Tower server. Uh, recused himself from the Mueller probe, or was recused. Uh, During his confirmation hearings in July, senators voiced concerns about his ties to Alpha Bank, and uh, a recent letter sent October 18th from Assistant AG Boyd told senators that Benchkowski is currently, quote, screened off from any matters regarding the Mueller probe. Cool. Mm. Yeah. We. Yeah, we. I feel like as things are ramping up and more people are getting closer and closer being indicted, I see people being more reasonable in other arenas. I don't know if that's to be like, I don't know, like Trump, Trump even is doing things that he would have never done months ago. Like canceling with Putin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Or or coming out with public statements saying that the reason he canceled is because of, you know, Putin seizing those Ukrainian ships or something or right. What he. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's saying because of the Navy thing. that that, Yeah. That was what he gave as a reason. It's like they're just trying to. And then to not do a press conference to respect uh, Papa Bush. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're you, trying to behave. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, their 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 last defense uh is trying to change the language and uh we're gonna talk about that a little bit later, uh, when we get into the Comey hearings that happened on Friday. 
There's so much news. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and new reporting from CNN emerged Thursday saying Andrew McCabe, my boyfriend, uh, former acting director of the FBI, had opened up an obstruction investigation into the Trump administration after Comey was fired. And we knew that. But it turns out him and Rosenstein weren't buddies. Um, McCabe was upset about Rosenstein overseeing the Mueller probe after having written the memo that Trump used as an apparent excuse to fire Comey, saying he mishandled the Hillary email investigation. So the actions of Rosenstein are at odds with the McCabe memos that we talked about several weeks ago, uh, saying Rosenstein wanted to wear a wire when he was talking to Trump, (laughs) and Rosenstein maintains he was joking. But uh, I'm sure we'll find out as the obstruction case becomes public. Uh, If I were you, though, I wouldn't look for any resolution that would be degrading to the FBI. So the actual nature of these internal discussions may never see the light of day. Um, one source indicated that reservoir of trust. Remember, <laughs> oh <laughs> Comey talked about all the time, mm-hmm. reservoir of trust, and I could never say it right. So it's the reservoir of trust. Uh, one source indicated that Mueller preferred Rosenstein to oversee the investigation, though. So it's it's still unknown who was doing what and why. Um, this is this whole thing is just we're just trying to piece things together with like two percent of the evidence, and we're just not going to be able to. We're right, gonna, we're gonna Some, have to wait. Someone said on Twitter that we try to stitch the news together. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's it's spec- be, yeah, we speculate. Yeah. Just making a shitty quilt. <laughs> <laughs> Big shitty treason quilt. There are shittier quilts. There's a polio quilt out there. There's all kinds of... This is a pretty good quilt, I think, though. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just said shitty as a joke. I think we're doing a pretty good job. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was saying there could be shittier quilts, too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like all quilts. Yeah. All quilts matter. <laughs> I'll definitely look back on this quilt fondly. That's for sure. Yes. Mm, that's yeah. true. That's Hang it on the true. wall. <laughs> Go spread it out Where on the national all good quilts log. go. Yeah. Oh, we could do a militia <laughs> quilt, too. Yeah. I don't know. Safety blankets. We got too many projects. <laughs> Just put it on there, on the list yeah. of projects. But, uh, yeah, the, and, and pretty soon, and I'll talk about this in the Comey hearings, that IG report on the FBI field office in New York, that's going to come out. And this whole timeline of what happened in September and October between McCabe, Comey, and everybody is going to figure wildly into all this. And then... I don't know if it's going to go into the Comey firing and the Rosenstein memo and what McCabe thought about that and that he set up that investigation on obstruction. I don't know, but we'll eventually get uh, the story or at least some of it. Uh, but like I said, they really their number one thing at the FBI is to not talk bad about the FBI. So there, there might be some things that we just won't find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what beans are for. Beans. <laughs> also Friday, Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani called CNN's Dana Bash and said that Manafort is being accused by Mueller of lying about Trump. Um, specifically, that Mueller says Manafort lied about Trump knowing of the Trump Tower meeting. Oddly, nothing about that came out in the Manafort filing, uh, which I'll cover later in the show. But that says to me that Trump's team did not know what was in those filings ahead of time, <laughs> which means that maybe Matthew fucking Whitaker isn't getting shit, which pleases me. That's all conjecture, but Mm -hmm. Rudy likes to seem to come out and lube the truth like we've always talked about with uh, filings that are going to come out, like whether he says, yeah, he knew about the payments to the playmates or, you know, and change Mm -hmm. the whole story that they've stuck with. (laughs) And that's kind of what he does, that he's he's the punching bag for the, you know, for the legal team. And and he seemed to think or at least I don't know why he would talk about Trump, Trump knowing about the Trump Tower meeting uh, and Manafort um, and lying and all that stuff. If he didn't think that was going to come out in the Manafort filing. Which, exactly. Which means he didn't know what was in it. That That's me. amazing. That makes me happy. Friday, we learned that Chief of Staff John Kelly is not only likely to resign, but that Kelly has spoken to Bob Mueller <laughs> over the last few months about obstruction of justice. According to CNN, John Kelly was a witness to Trump asking Don McGahn to publicly denounce 
the New York Times article saying that Trump wanted to fire Bob Mueller. <laughs> McGahn refused to do so at the time, so Mueller went to Emmett Flood. Um, Mueller recently went to Emmett Flood, the current acting White House counsel, and said he needed to interview Kelly about the in- incident. And Flood said no, not unless you can prove he's the only one that can answer those questions and that it's absolutely necessary. Those are the two criteria you have to meet um, in order to, to have that conversation. And it seems Mueller provided the proof needed uh, to indicate Kelly was the only one who could prove or provide that information, so Flood was forced to allow him to answer a negotiated set of questions about the incident. Mueller also asked Kelly about Trump telling McGahn to fire Mueller, and this testimony from Kelly is meant, presumably, to corroborate what McGahn has told Mueller's office, <laughs> who spent 30 hours talking to them. And this shows how Mueller is really taking advantage of the disorganization inside the Trump White House. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Emmett Flood is forced to agree with Mueller about conversations that occurred before he even got there, uh, it's clear that the lack of discipline and continuity in the White House is going to be a part of Trump's undoing. It's it's so crazy that this is even a thing. Uh, this also shows that obstruction is still a major part of the Mueller investigation. Something something else to consider. Uh, could this have been the subpoena battle under seal in the D.C. appellate court right now? Meaning Mueller subpoenaed him. Uh, Flood and Kelly fought, fought that subpoena, but Mueller won. I'm not so sure because I feel like we'd have heard that the December 14th oral arguments uh, hearing would have been removed from the calendar. And we haven't heard any reporting that those closed sessions hearings have been, have been canceled. So they're going forward with those hearings. Um, and I'm trying to figure out in my brain if they're still going forward with those hearings. Uh, but Mueller already won the subpoena battle with Kelly. Why would they still have hearings? So I don't know. Yeah, that is tricky. Yeah, I love that he's doing all this work to get down to the bottom of something that relates to them trying to fire him. <laughs> That's funny. Like, so yeah. you try to fire me? Hmm? 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 Who wants to talk? Me? Hmm? Bob? You want to say it to me? my face? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> if you have something to say to me, you can say it to my mm-hmm. face. <laughs> to my striking jawline. Yeah. going to do win a subpoena battle so you can tell me everything that they tried to do to get rid of me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's part of the investigation. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if you'd like, all right, it's time for me to recuse myself because I'm now a witness in my own case. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, but I guess that would just be too absurd since it's all connected. Yeah, how right. meta can I'm they I'm sure get? they would try it. I'm, they probably already did try to fight it on that ground. Yeah, probably. They there's they have all sorts of little fights, and, and uh, Mueller's batting a thousand. He's won every single mm-hmm. motion that he's filed. Yeah. yeah he should come play for the Padres. Right? He's like the LeBron James of this. He wouldn't leave anybody stranded. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Padres. Um, we also learned right now we're a sports Trump cast. Yeah, no one knows the Padres that are listening. <laughs> yeah, no, the Padres <laughs> is the only team I know. That's the only reason I said that. <laughs> are they still in San Diego? Have they left yet? Oh, no, they're here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I like them. Uh, we also learned Friday that Trump is nominating William Barr, as I said earlier, to be the next attorney general. CNN said to be his next attorney general. And I take issue with that phrasing because the attorney general is not his. Uh, the AG is ours. Uh, he's the acting. He's the he's the AG of the people. And I wish CNN would take care to word things in such a way so as not to indicate that uh, it's Trump's attorney general. Mm-hmm. Um, Barr was in the CIA in the 70s. He served in a few leadership roles in justice under Papa Bush. He was uh, attorney general from 91 to 93. So we're bringing back vintage attorney general. <laughs> and uh, he's also served as an executive in the private sector for a while. Many believe he should recuse himself from the Mueller probe, not only because he has some negative things to say about it, but because he has no idea what's going on with it. And Rosenstein should just remain in the role. That's what, what Richard Painter's coming out saying now. He's like, I don't care if you have a conflict of interest. Why do you think you can come in and just take over the Mueller investigation yeah. that's been going on for 18 months when we have a very capable person pr- providing oversight? Exactly. 
So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Um, also, Friday, Tillerson told CBS News that uh, Trump is impulsive and he hates to read <laughs> and that he often would want to do things that were against the law. Wow. <laughs> is that like his Twitter bio now? <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, as we know, Tillerson, who might have been installed by Russia, by the way, uh, that's conjecture, though mm. there's proof out there that uh, Carter Page announced Tillerson in Russia before he was announced here and he had communicated with the transition team about it prior to it happening mm-hmm. uh, and I think that there was some sort of connection with McFarland and Butina and Flynn and all that. Yeah, um, he definitely wasn't qualified that's for sure. With the appointment of Tillerson yeah. and now Trump's out on, on Twitter saying Tillerson's uh, what did he say? Dumb as a rock. Dumb, dumb as, as a rock. rock. Yeah. yeah. And I, should, I couldn't get rid of him fast enough. It's like, you hired him. You, <laughs> he I actually, al- He always says that. He says it about Omarosa and, and countless other people like as if he is admitting that he sucks at choosing people yeah well my tweet to him was you you're acting like you didn't hire him was it putin that hired him because oh, you're acting point? like you didn't hire him yeah. yeah he just had to let him serve out his contract and <laughs> fire him as soon as he was allowed to he's a free agent now yeah, yeah. <clears throat> our book uh not our book our book club i should say that we're reviewing fear by bob woodward there's a lot of good stuff in there about tillerson and how he thinks trump is a dumb box of rocks yeah. remember when tillerson when he was being really disrespectful to all of the essentially like essential people in our national security council mm-hmm. he's like i'm not going to work for this guy anymore he's disrespecting all these people that actually have credentials yeah. and, are, and like Even know Rex what they're doing better yeah and he was yeah. the one who called him a fucking moron mm-hmm. to report according to some reports That's and right. many reports and he's never denied saying that yeah he's never denied it so. maybe trump thought a guy named rex would be better at like you know fetching for him and <laughs> doing yeah. his bidding yeah <laughs> he's got a dog name i like that mm-hmm. rex i need someone that has shorter arms than me <laughs> Rex. I love it. Won't make me feel insecure about my small hands. Oh, Rex T. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, That's a new hey. nickname. We right have there. a nickname for Tillerson's yeah. Rex T. Okay, right. I like it. Small hands. Can't stab out his own eyes. <laughs> That's why Trump liked him. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and of course, then Friday, the Cohen and Manafort filings came uh, to light, and we'll go over those later in the show. Finally, guys, Comey testified. For six hours behind closed doors on Friday, while Republicans emerged tight-lipped, uh, Comey, came, which is bad news for them always, otherwise they come out blabbing. <laughs> uh, Comey came out and said, quote, I don't understand why we couldn't have done this publicly. Uh, and also, when you read the transcript, you'll see we're talking again about Hillary Clinton's emails, and I don't think we need we needed to do this at all, basically. He's like, yeah. this is tired of damn emails. <laughs> um, some issues they touched on were biases in the FBI uh, about Donald Trump, the origin of the Trump-Russia investigation, and also the surveillance on Carter Page. Also, Hillary's email investigation, uh, particularly why Comey closed the case. Democrats said it was a waste of time, this whole hearing, but Republicans plan on having Comey back again because he couldn't answer a lot of the questions because they're part of open and ongoing investigations. When are you going to get the message? <laughs> Uh, Comey tweeted after the hearing, today wasn't a search for the truth, but a desperate attempt to find anything that can be used to attack the institutions of justice investigating this president. Mm. Uh, They came up empty today, but we'll try again. In the long run, it'll make no difference because facts are stubborn things. That's a thing he likes to say. It's beautiful. Uh, There's another hearing in two weeks. It's important to note the Republicans will uh, only hold the majority for the next few weeks. So they're running out of time. So they're going to amp it up, I bet. Yeah, some of the highlights of the transcript include Comey's assertion that he saw zero evidence of bias in the FBI investigation, including Page and Strzok. Uh, Lisa Page was the attorney and Strzok was the guy. They texted back and forth about, they hated everybody pretty much, Hillary, <laughs> Bernie, uh, Trump, they hated everyone. 
the cornerstone of the defense of Trump is that there's a corrupt deep state group of radical liberals in the FBI that were hell-bent on investigating Trump and exonerating Hillary. But that argument holds no water because Strzok actually helped with the reopening of the Hillary email investigation 11 days before the election. And he could have easily leaked that Trump was under investigation, but no one ever did. If you wanted to wreck Trump's chances, all you had to do was leak that he was being investigated by the FBI. And no one ever did. Um, But they sure as hell came out and said Hillary was you know, we have to reopen that investigation. Mm -hmm. Then the Republicans kept trying to get Comey to say that collusion and conspiracy are synonymous, uh, seemingly gearing up for a semantics battle (laughs) when the bombs start dropping. They can't argue the facts, so they're going to try to taint the language. Mm -hmm. And Republicans have a history of doing this. We talked about this last week, like referring to family reunification as chain migration Mm -hmm. or the estate tax as the death tax or advanced medical directives as death panels. (laughs) And now they're trying to confuse people into thinking that collusion equals conspiracy, but it doesn't. And Comey wouldn't budge on that point. Collusion can also mean aiding and abetting, and he said that several times. And Seth Abramson did a great thread about this on Twitter, so check that out if you get get a chance. Um, something that stood out to me is when Republican Ratliff questioned Comey about Loretta Lynch talking to Bill Clinton on the tarmac. Remember that? Yeah. Um, which Republicans have been trying to hammer over and over again as a reason Comey went rogue and didn't include Lynch in his decision not to prosecute Hillary Rodham Clinton, and that's why he should have been fired and why he was fired. Uh, which is particularly hilarious because this week, Kushner and Matthew fucking Whitaker took a trip together on Marine One. (laughs) And then Ratliff asked Comey, making false public statements ordinarily is not a crime, correct? And Comey said, that's correct. Thank goodness for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Always a funny guy. Yeah. You know, for dad humor, but very cute. Adorable. Uh, Finally, we get to the problem surrounding the FBI New York field office. This is what I was looking for. Uh, they, all, they sometimes refer to the New York field office as Trumplandia. There was a lot of Hillary haters in there. Uh, and we often get a lot of flack here on Mueller, she wrote, for having Comey as my homie stickers. Uh, mostly because a lot of folks believe, and rightfully so, that his reopening of the Hillary email case is what cost her the election. Uh, we have maintained that Comey did not have a choice because Giuliani was leaking and some FBI agents in New York were conspiring and threatening to leak the Wiener laptop, mm-hmm. uh, which is the evidence at the heart of reopening the Clinton case. To the public, which forced Comey to come out ahead of it so he could control the narrative. Comey said, and they sat on this this laptop till right up to the election in the New York field office. Yeah. there was. It seems like there's definitely a conspiracy to... It was their Hail Mary. They yeah. were waiting to use it, yeah. Yeah, and Comey said he was indeed concerned about a leak problem uh, at that field office. What we don't understand is why Comey fell for it, <laughs> if he was being set up. This is currently an investigation into the political leaks. Uh, there's currently an investigation into those leaks by um, Inspector General Horowitz, uh, but it's taking way too long to release, and we're, you know we can't figure that out. Perhaps it's because it could damage the Mueller investigation, because it involves Giuliani and Eric Prince and probably others, including like Bannon and Priebus, or maybe Junior, or maybe Pence. Yeah, Indictment One Junior. <laughs> <laughs> indictment One and Individual One Trump. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Individual One Junior. <laughs> um, but that's that's you know that's we we've been saying this, and we don't know. But the the IG report on Comey came out a long time ago, and. Presumably, this this report would be done, but they either, I think they're waiting because there's people in this report that are implicated in Mueller's investigation, and they want to wait until those indictments come out. That would make sense. Yeah. And I feel like Comey probably fell for it because he's so, like, sanctimonious, as we said before. I think he's the kind of by-the-book guy that 
wouldn't see it coming because he goes by the book and now after he got played he's like okay now i'm gonna start playing by my own rules a little more like he seemed to speak out more after the fact yeah and the, re- and the reality is is that he there was nothing he could do to stop those leaks mm-hmm. uh, everyone's like well he was in charge it's like yeah but that's why they're called leaks yeah and you don't know where they're gonna you know when they're gonna happen and where they're gonna come from and uh i don't know we'll find out like i said if comey is an a-hole i'll stand up and say comey's an a-hole oh all yeah day. we'll be the first but I, I just don't think there's enough evidence to say that he did it on his own merit i no. think he was cornered and they most definitely aren't going to release anything that gives a black eye to the fbi they're just not going to do it right yeah. so when they you know they even though the the field office in new york was probably you know and the most well most definitely uh, leaking with Giuliani. I don't think that anyone's going to be happy with coming out and saying that the FBI fucked up. No, that's a bad position to take right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So guys, Butina's teed up. Erickson's going to be indicted. We got the Manafort and Cohen and Flynn reports. The subpoenas are coming uh, in for the Trump emoluments case. The Eastern District, the Eastern District of Virginia case is moving ahead in the Flynn case for Turkish lobbying along with the state prosecution case moving forward on the Manafort lobbying case. Um, Mueller says the Senate can start subpoenaing witnesses in the obstruction case, indicating he's wrapping that up. Uh, everything's lining up in this grand plan Mueller's been working on diligently for the last 18 months. So stick with us. Things are about to get interesting. We'll be right back. Hey, Mueller junkies. I wanted to let you know about another great podcast called TBD with Tina Brown. I absolutely love this podcast, and she was the editor-in-chief at Vanity Fair and The New Yorker, so she's had the opportunity to sit down with the world's most important and interesting people and hear their thoughts on the zeitgeist. And on her new podcast, TBD with Tina Brown, she invites you to listen to her candid conversations with writers, politicos, crime sleuths, journalists, and the newsmakers of tomorrow's social debates. And she dares to ask the questions that no one else will, which I really appreciate. She digs into the topics that will shape tomorrow's world. And she does it with style, which I, is so important to us at Mueller, she wrote. Um, some of her upcoming guests include Jill Soloway, who I love, Michael Douglas, Aaron Sorkin, who's an incredible writer, and, and many more. So you have to go and subscribe to TBD with Tina Brown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this right now. Again, that's go ahead, subscribe to TBD with Tina Brown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Hot notes. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for hot notes. Um, today, in her racial Maddow segment, mm-hmm. uh, Jaleesa is going to tell us about an undocumented immigrant who worked as a maid since 2013 at Trump's New Jersey golf course in Bedminster, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, but first, the NRA uh, could be in more hot water. And uh, Jordan, you have that information for us. I do, yeah. So some great reporting came out this week that the NRA potentially was coordinating with the Trump campaign, or I should say their media organizations that were handling all of their ads were coordinating with each other. So as we remember, the NRA spent $30 million to elect Donald Trump. Most of that money went to television ads. To produce the ads, they turned to the media strategy firm Red Eagle Media. That name just screams cover-up. Yeah, it also and screams he, Russia. For <laughs> Absolutely. It's the classic naming structure of animals, colors, and freedom. It's always, <laughs> it's always the same shit. In late October 2016, the NRA bought up a whole bunch of ad spots for a certain very specific demographic in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And they were very pro-Trump, obviously, and very anti-Hillary. And 
Around the same time, the Trump campaign purchased a series of political ads in that same area aimed at that same demographic and did so through the media strategy company American Media and Advocacy Group, also known as AMAG. So, AMAG. <laughs> yeah. Is that MAGA? Right? Oh, I talk about that. Oh, I talk about that. Yeah. Um, but there goes my riff. <laughs> it's okay. You can pretend I didn't say it. No, nah, it's fine. Okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> I have more comedic integrity than that. (laughs) Uh, The timing and nature of these ads for the NRA and then the Trump campaign might seem merely coincidental, but it turns out that both of these firms are affiliated with a major conservative media consulting firm, National Media Research Planning and Placement. These companies are so intertwined that the ads from both the NRA and the Trump campaign were actually signed off on by the exact same guy, someone named John Farrell. He's national media CFO. So now the juicy part. This kind of coordination, it's apparently considered to be in violation of FEC regulation, according to experts. The same person that is acting as an agent for one group is not supposed to be acting as an agent in direct coordination with the other. The reason this is so problematic for, you know, ones you can predict yourselves, I'm sure, uh, is, is that this means that national media was acting through two separate cover agencies, essentially, to bombard the exact same group of people with the same messaging at the same time. This is all apparently in violation of campaign finance law, like I said, and essentially creates this megaphone effect to a certain group of people when you get to coordinate with two separate organizations that's why it's not okay to do it's an unfair advantage former chair of the fec Ann ravel said quote i don't think i've ever seen a situation where illegal coordination seems more obvious it is so blatant that it doesn't even seem sloppy everyone involved probably just thinks there aren't going to be any consequences yeah it's almost like they just didn't even realize the whole the laws surrounding PACs and dark money and, and the donations and how you can't coordinate with the Trump with the campaign that you're raising the money for uh, because we don't know where those donors are coming from and, right. and and when you when you do something like that it, your your donations have to be limited to five thousand dollars and mm-hmm. here we've got thirty million yeah mm-hmm. and I think even if they were aware like you were saying Jordan they didn't think they would get caught white collar crime we talked about this it's set an all time low twenty year low I think like in terms of being actually brought to justice Pro- yeah prosecuted yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so research discovered that AMAG, that firm that Trump campaigns, uh, that Trump's campaign used, doesn't have a single employee or contact that can't that cannot be found at national media. So there's if you cross reference everyone, there's not a single unique actor. So it's almost like the NRA's ad campaign agency that they were using created an offshoot to to do Trump's ads. It's more so this parent company what it looks like created those two separate offshoots assigned them to the nra and then trump's campaign respectively so maybe that was their attempt to separate them oh yeah on paper oh, for sure that's the same fucking dude yeah signing exa- off on exactly like, if you look at it one at least if you hire back two one other people layer. like just hire two other people and put them over there and then that would have probably <laughs> been at least a little less obvious yep. yeah yeah no it is so obvious it's offensively obvious and that's what you're saying about it, it doesn't even that's seem what she was saying yeah. they didn't even try they literally just created these essentially shell firms that they're using to do this Um, Other major clients, also fun fact, of national media include the RNC and other major GOP candidates, so that's not a surprise there. And if it wasn't already obvious that these groups are all basically the same group, corporate FEC and FCC records for all three groups, this is that parent one and then the two assigned, one to Trump and one to the NRA, uh, records for all of these groups list the addresses of 
One would be 815 Slater's Lane, and the other is 817 Slater's Lane, <laughs> a pair of adjacent brick buildings that share a parking lot in the historic Old Town section of Alexandria, Virginia. Wow. So 22 Jump Street. Yeah. <laughs> and 21 Jump Street. Exactly. And they couldn't even get three addresses. They had two addresses for three companies. <laughs> At least get a one-on-one match. Yeah, they really did not suspect to get caught for this shit. Open one in Delaware, and then open the... Yeah, come on. Mm. Try harder. <laughs> now, the NRA could have spent as much as they wanted to on Trump, but per federal election law, if an independent group begins coordinating with a campaign and they're sharing information, they lose their independent status and the right to spend as much as they want, and they're now supposed to be held to that $5,000 in-kind donation limit, which they only exceeded by $29,995,000. It's close. Yeah, very close. <laughs> That's close. I had to get a calculator on that one. I'm not proud. <laughs> well, you can let that slide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so the people who work for those consultant firms that are working for two different groups at the same time, for example, you know, Trump and the NRA, they're actually supposed to sign, and this is fr- on the media firm side, not the people within those actual organizations, but the people in the firm assigned to those two different groups. They are supposed to sign a pledge not to coordinate campaign slash election information with those two clients, between those two clients. The pledge also serves as a formal acknowledgement that there are civil and criminal penalties for doing exactly what they did. So they did know because they had to sign a pledge. Yep. And so what's going to happen? Unfortunately, experts believe it's unlikely that any investigations would be started against the NRA or the Trump campaign. Apparently, to do so requires unanimous consent by the FEC's current four commissioners. There's supposed to be six, but there's only four right now. And apparently those four have been in complete ideological gridlock for a long time. So the chances of them coming to any sort of unanimous vote on that is slim to none. The DOJ also has the authority to launch an investigation, but that is extremely uncommon for them, and there's really no precedent for that. So all of this makes me think that these motherfuckers knew that the chances of them facing penalties was small, so they just did it anyway. It could end up in Mueller's report to the Senate Judiciary Committee, or Mm -hmm. to the House Judiciary Committee, which is like the, you know, the Jaworski roadmap that we learned Mm -hmm. from from Watergate. Um, You could put it in there. Yeah, um, I'm sure Congress can investigate that if they mm-hmm. if they felt the need, um, because this isn't the only NRA problem that they're having. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they would also have to they would have to prove that people within the NRA and the Trump campaign were aware that those that those media or that one media group essentially was doing that. So on top of prosecuting the media group, they would then have to find some proof that the NRA and the Trump campaign were like aiding and abetting that. That law needs more teeth than that. Honestly, I mean, if you're going to be able to say corporations are people and they can donate unlimited amounts of money to campaigns, you you really need to solidify the wall between the campaign uh, and the donors. And to to make it so hard to prosecute when you just do this blatant, dumb, oh, we'll just make two companies next door to each other and, and do that. To be able to get away with it by just doing that is ridiculous. not okay. Yeah. And how the public, all of us, know that. There's copies of those documents showing that they blatantly lied and have a cover-up companies. It's, it's like, that's so bad for the public to know that and know that there's nothing really that they can do because the FEC is in gridlock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, basically what? just saying, fuck your votes. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't, you know, you're like, it's, oh, thanks. 
So bad for morale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bad shit for morale right That's now. True. It's Speaking not good of morale time. <laughs> Speaking of bad morale in oh, the workplace. Yeah. Julia, so what do you got for us that, in, in your uh, racial meadows? That okay. is such a smooth transition, AJ, because the name of the woman I'm going to talk about, her last name is Morales. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, people. Um, so on Thursday, the New York Times published an article called Making President Trump's Bed a Housekeeper Without Papers. Specifically at Trump's New Jersey golf course, an undocumented immigrant named Victorina Morales has worked as a maid since 2013, and she said she never imagined to see such important people up close. And in 1999, Victorina left Guatemala and illegally entered the U.S. Just five years ago, she began working at Trump's National Golf Club in Bedminster. So Guatemala, so she was in one of those caravans then. Not recently, but one of so them. So she, she definitely has all kinds of just leprosy. <laughs> And yeah, exactly, violence. she's probably an ISIS person. Oh, I, definitely. That was my favorite. There's ISIS people. Yeah, that is insane. ISIS people. They're just going for the keywords to to scare people, and I guess it worked for some of them. God damn it. But yeah, she's been in the U.S. since 1999, and um, basically, she just worked for Trump uh, for the last five years. During this time, she uh, made his bed, cleaned his toilet, <laughs> dusted his crystal golf trophies. Oh God. Yeah, she also washed and ironed. Golf trophy? He sucks at golf. That's I mean, what I was thinking. Participation trophies exist, he made too. Him. He yeah. made, like he made his Time magazine cover. <laughs> or just pays people off. You remember the fake Time yeah. magazine yeah. cover that he had hanging in his bathroom or whatever? I would yeah. not put it past him. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine him just swatting people with clubs. Just, <laughs> it's just regular crystal statues with post-it notes on it that says, Trump is the best golfer. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Things remembered made it for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she uh, also apparently ironed his white boxers, uh, ca- khaki trousers. He's a boxers guy. Yeah. I yeah. would have taken him for a briefs guy. I always thought briefs too. I could have sworn that Stormy described him as in briefs when yeah. they were. But you know, maybe he switches it up. So uh, yeah, she also just you know folded his sheets and towels. Apparently, though, everything that belongs to the Trump family is washed with separate detergent in a separate washing machine. So, you know, privilege wherever you can find it. Like, so the family stuff doesn't have to touch each other? I guess from the uh, other members of the golf club course. He's got his own (laughs) private washing area. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to... The Trump family is separate. His clothes don't have to mingle with that of the commoners. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, Victoriana said, quote, Trump is extremely meticulous about everything. If he arrives suddenly, everyone runs around like crazy. So she even says she's not the only undocumented worker employed at the golf course, which we would have figured. No. <laughs> yeah. There's a woman named Sandra Diaz, who is now a legal resident of the U.S. She says that she was uh, working there from 2010 to 2013 when she was undocumented. And both women said they worked for many years alongside other undocumented workers at the golf course. But they couldn't specify how many. However, at least two supervisors at the golf course were aware of the undocumented workers. And they actually took steps to cover it up. Uh, which is all ironic because Trump made border security and the fight to protect American jobs the centerpiece of his presidency. And I have no problem with these women working here. It's just the hypocrisy. Yeah, I was going to say that's the story. Yeah. It's just, just that Trump has undocumented um, immigrants working for him, mm-hmm. which, again, we 100% support. Totally. But that because he's that guy, it's it's like it's like when the Republicans are like, you, that Loretta Lynch meeting on the tarmac with Clinton, it's unacceptable. And meanwhile, Whitaker and Kushner are on Marine One taking a trip together, hanging out. Totally. Uh, to the pair of walking dildos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we've got just 
yeah, the, I mean, we could do a, a 60 hour long podcast. Hypocrisy on now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, whenever Trump wants to get his toilet cleaned, all of his values also go down the toilet. So, mm-hmm. uh, seriously, during the campaign, Trump bragged that he was using he's, a. He's jealous of that sweet, sweet Putin bidet team. Oh, that, that's right. <laughs> that we just learned about today. They have jackets. <laughs> <laughs> the pink ladies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I'm going to hell. The red maggots. an asshole on the back of it. Yeah, I believe it. I might buy one just to frame it. So <laughs> during the campaign, Trump actually actually bragged that he was using an electronic verification system called E-Verify to ensure that no undocumented workers would be hired by his businesses. And this was after he opened his Trump Tower uh, or Trump Hotel in Washington. He specifically said, quote, we didn't have one illegal immigrant on the job. He sounds like, what's that president that's like, mark my words, no new immigrants. <laughs> like, that was a, Bush. It was Bush? Okay, okay. Yeah, taxes, yeah. Read my lips. There we go, yeah. <laughs> no new, and I don't want to look at your lips, man. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> We're all good. Very good point. Uh, at the same time that Trump was saying all this, Victorina and Sandra uh, and all these people were working at the golf course in New Jersey. So I just imagine that Trump was like, oh, you mean do I have illegals in Washington? No, they're just in New Jersey. My bad. So, you know, just semantics. And apparently Trump wasn't always a racist piece of shit to them either, because surprisingly, uh, Sandra recalled one time after she finished cleaning his villa, he told her, you did a really great job, and he handed her a $100 bill. Well, she's not black. Yeah, exactly. She's got that going for her. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess when Trump first met Victorina, he asked her where she was from, and when she said uh, Guatemala, he said, quote, Guatemalans are hardworking people. And then he gave her a $50 bill. Yeah. He just liked her because her name had victory in it. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. So, you know, she said she thought to herself, you know, God bless him. He's a good man. But then later that same year, Trump had an outburst over an orange stain on his collar. And Sandra tried to tell him that Don't it was... Don't go to the... T- he's got the spray on Exactly. That's, that's your fault, She dude. tried to tell him, but he wouldn't listen. So she's suing him now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to it. Um, but these undocumented workers were in really close quarters with some of the most powerful people in the world. God, can you imagine trying to get the orange marks off of his sheets and pillowcases? And, and, and She's shirts. literally the like most prestigious maid in the, in the world, and she cannot get it out. <laughs> yeah. like, she can't do it. Just buy a new shirt, you cheap ass. Seriously, yeah. You stole everyone's money, use it. He was having a bad day. <laughs> I bet she's taking it out on them. Um, but yeah, these, these ladies, they're around really powerful people, which I think is kind of cool. It at least proves to me that Trump doesn't assume they're all rapists and murderers, right, AG, like you were saying. And uh, Victorina in particular said that um, she got to clean Trump's villa while he was even watching TV nearby. And she got to stand around when uh, potential cabinet members were brought in for interviews and even when John Kelly would visit. So she's been around all these people that are making the laws that stop her from being a citizen. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And in other news, Mueller has interviewed her six times for that a total be, of 100 hours. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, and just to wrap it all up, uh, even though Victorina appreciates her job, she said that she still feels very hurt by Trump's racist remarks during the campaign and as president. In fact, that's the whole reason she's speaking out now. She said that and the abusive comments from a supervisor about her intelligence and immigration status. And she said, quote, we're tired of the abuse, the insults, the way he talks about us when he knows that we're here helping him make money we sweat it out to attend to his every need and we have to put up with his humiliation so victorina and sandra approached the new york times through their immigration lawyer in new jersey and victorina says that she understands that she could be fired or deported for coming forward but that's just how important this is to her and she also recently applied for protection under the asylum laws and is currently exploring a lawsuit for discrimination and workplace abuse so that's where they are on that well kudos to them for coming forward totally super brave really brave um, 
I use a pseudonym, so that shows you. <laughs> yeah, at least you're protected, right? That's the idea is that you at least have a law that helps you, and they're trying to work with the system, but it sucks that they're working with the most racist system that I've ever been around to see, and, and so it's that much harder for them, but they're trying, yeah. That's cool that they came forward. That's really, that's amazing reporting, honestly. Kudos, New York Times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, guys. <clears throat> you ready for the Y'all ready for the this? money show? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to approach this from a 30,000 foot view because we get into the weeds uh, later to borrow some phrases from my time in the military. I like that. Uh, three major filings came out this week, as we all know, Flynn, Cohn, and Manafort. I want to make sure everyone understands the difference between them. The Flynn document is a sentencing recommendation. It says because of Flynn's substantial assistance, we recommend no jail time. The Cohen document is a two-parter, Mueller's sentencing memorandum and the Southern District of New York's sentencing memorandum. And then the Manafort document, uh, however, is not a sentencing recommendation, as we thought. It's a submission in support of the government's breach determination. Basically, uh, here's why we're backing out of our plea agreement with Manafort. uh, And we have all the evidence. If you want to see it in court, just let us know. (laughs) We have the documents, text messages, emails, and witness (laughs) testimony. So the Manafort document is not a sentencing memorandum. Um, And... We, you know, I just want you to bear, he's not yet been charged with crimes of collusion, <clears throat> as outlined in the redacted Rosenstein memo that outlines the scope of the Mueller probe, nor has he been charged with crimes of conspiracy with Russia. Uh, and as you know, if you've been listening, I believe Manafort is facing superseding indictments for crimes of collusion. And since the government is backing out of the plea agreement, they may now charge Manafort with those crimes, uh, which he will have to enter a plea for. Uh, If he pleads not guilty, we go back to trial. If he pleads guilty, he goes to jail, but upsets his Russian handlers. Or he could even try to cooperate again, though I'm I'm not sure Mueller would have him back at this point after the scathing report he filed this week about what a giant fucking liar he is. (laughs) So Collusor. He is. He's definitely collusory. (laughs) He's a collusory man. And then I talked to Renato Mariotti offline, and I said, hey, you know, why why is no one talking about these additional crimes of collusion? And he said, you know, he might not even charge uh, these additional crimes. He might just lay them all out in the actual sentencing memorandum. He doesn't get sentenced until March 5th and just lay those all out in the, in the other memorandum instead of uh, officially charging him. So we'll find out either way that he either committed these crimes and he'll be you know, charged or they'll just include them in his sentencing memo. Right. <laughs> At the end. So let's go through these filings. First, the Flynn document. While it was highly redacted and didn't give any big clues into Russian collusion, it did say that Flynn was assisting the special counsel with three different investigations. An unnamed criminal investigation, the Russia investigation came second, and a third totally redacted investigation that doesn't even indicate if it's criminal, which means it could be a counterintelligence investigation or a criminal investigation or a civil investigation. It doesn't even say. Of note uh, in the documents is that uh, in the first criminal investigation, Mueller says Flynn provided substantial assistance, which is the gold standard of cooperation. It goes on to say he provided assistance in the Russia probe, just regular assistance in the Russia probe, and he gave useful information uh, in the totally redacted investigation. So there's three levels of cooperation, but he gave the the most substantial uh, cooperation in that first criminal investigation, not even the Russia probe. Mueller recommended no jail time. Uh, and indicated that this was because Flynn cooperated early and eagerly and with alacrity and with firsthand honest information, meaning he was in the room. Uh, This verbiage leads me to believe that this was a public statement to all involved that if you cooperate and you cooperate early and you cooperate hard, (laughs) you'll get off with no jail time. And that to me is a clear counterpunch to Trump's dangling of pardons 
effectively cutting his legs off at the knees. Yeah. And you'll get a little gold star that says, I cooperated. <laughs> and I know send my you on your way. Yeah. Yeah. A little bumper sticker. My kid is a cooperating. <laughs> my witness. A cooperating witness yeah. in the Mueller probe. <laughs> my kid is a cooperating. I'm going to get Trump that bumper sticker because it's probably going to be true. Oh, snap. <laughs> He's got a couple kids that are probably going to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying to people like Kush and Ivanka and, and Junior. Like, hey, man, cooperate early, cooperate good. You might get a no jail time recommendation or you can try the pardon thing and I'll find a way to, you know, that'll be illegal and <laughs> you'll still go to jail. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Um. So he's like, come to where the pardons are which is this side of the aisle not that side exactly and it's not a pardon but you know what i mean come to where you can get no jail time so that's he's 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 countering that pardon dangle situation which is going on openly and in the public for everyone to see with trump being not taking it off the table and i think giuliani told said today that he should uh somebody said today i have to look it up uh that uh he should pardon manafort yeah, that Trump should just out in the open. People are going to look back on this and be like, how did you guys let him get away with all of this in real time? But I think that's the point is it takes so long when you're going through it. It was Matt Gates. Matt mm. Gates. Okay, the, okay. Yeah, douchebag. The G-A-E-T-Z. Yeah. <laughs> Date Rapey Gates. Mm-hmm. Date Rapey Gates. Yeah. That's going to stick. His, um, he's the one who came out and just openly told Trump he should pardon Manport. They just pardon him. Ridiculous. So there are two documents in the Cohen filing. I'm going to go over the Cohen stuff first. One from Mueller and one from the Southern District of New York. Southern District of New York lays out all his crimes and isn't really recommending leniency at all. Basically saying he's a bad hombre (laughs) and he committed crimes from a place of privilege and he should pay for it. They were mad. Yeah, the I like that language. Like, we aren't even fucking around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they they said here's here's my take on it. Um, on the on the Mueller Cohen doc. Okay, so this was filed in tandem with the document from SDNY, but I haven't talked about the, the Mueller file. It was only seven pages. The SDNY one was like 40. <laughs> they were angry. <laughs> so after they get through the business of saying Cohen, and this is the Mueller document, after they get through the business of saying Cohen admitted to lying to Congress uh, and the public about when the Trump Tower Moscow deal had ended, he told us January 2016, when it was actually June 2016, it says that he did this to support the president's narrative uh, and minimize links between Russia and Trump, and to give the false impression that the Tower deal ended before the Iowa caucus and the first primaries. But not only does it say he did this to trick the public into thinking Trump had no Russia ties, but to, quote, limit the ongoing Russia investigations being conducted by Congress and the special counsel's office, unquote. It then goes on to say Cohen kept lying about this in 2017 and into 2018 to Congress, and it wasn't until September 2018 that he told the truth. He even lied about the Trump Tower Moscow in the first meeting he had with special counsel that he had with Mueller that Cohen set up. He's like, let me come in and talk to you guys. And they came in and still said that the Trump Tower stopped in January, and they're like, dude. Yeah. Idiot. I mean, it makes sense if you're going to lie. You make it seem like you're doing the right thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Th- then it says Cohen's cooperation starting in his second proffer session. Um, and remember, he was still lying about Trump Tower Moscow in the first one. It was significant for, f- this is the second proffer section- session, was significant for, for four aspects. First, Cohen provided in- info about his own contacts with Russia during the campaign and his discussion with others in that respect. Cohen also provided information about Russian outreach to him, including in November 2015, when he received contact for and spoke to a, quote, Russian national, unquote, who claimed to be a trusted person in the Russian Federation who could offer, quote, political synergy, which sounds collusion-y, <laughs> uh, and, quote, synergy on a government level, 
unquote. According to BuzzFeed, that person is Dmitry Klokov, and he made several attempts to set up meetings with Putin and Trump through Cohen, promising such a meeting would have a phenomenal impact, <laughs> uh, not only politically, but in business as well, alluding mm. to the Trump Tower Moscow. Mm-hmm. So Cohen didn't follow up on that because he was already working. It, it says this meeting never took place, or Cohen never followed up on this. But there's a footnote that's very important that says the reason Cohen didn't follow up on this is because he already had a Trump Tower deal in the works. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So that's really important. He didn't just wasn't like he didn't take the meeting. Now it's not in when it comes to conspiracy because you don't have to actually follow through with the. Trump Tower, Moscow, in order for it to be conspiracy. You just right. have to be talking, you just have to conspire to, to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And then he also didn't bring that information to federal prosecutors, too, because yeah. that's like an attempt at illegally influencing a campaign. Right. And they came to the campaign and said, if the Russians are probably going to try to talk to you guys and just let us know, okay? <laughs> Could you? Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. No. Uh, Cohen, the second thing in the four things, Cohen provided the special counsel office with useful information about a certain discrete Russia-related matters core to the investigation that he obtained by virtue of his regular contacts with the company, which is the Trump Organization, executives during the campaign. That means there's shit he learned by hanging out at the Trump org that's core to Mueller's investigation. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this has to do with maybe going to Prague and the payments to, for the hackers and all that other stuff that's in the Steele dossier. We don't know yet. Yeah. Um, but again, more in the Steele dossier has been proven. None of it's been disproven. So keep that in mind. I still want to see like a Kardashian-style movie poster for Cohen, like Cohen takes Prague or something, like with his bags <laughs> packed and, you know. Oh, like Crossroads with Britney yeah. Spears? Oh, but yeah. With Cohen, like yeah. Crossroads for pardons or... <laughs> That's he great. gets in a pink yeah. convertible and goes to and talks to Prague. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Eat, pray, lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite. Eat, pray, lie. <laughs> and Cohen has a big Julia Roberts wig on. <laughs> Eat, pray, lie. I love it. Uh, the third thing, uh, Cohen provided relevant and useful information concerning his contacts with persons connected to the White House during 2017 and 2018. So this kept going. Uh, and then Cohen described four, number four, Cohen described the circumstances of preparing and circulating his response to the congressional inquiries about Trump Tower Moscow while continuing to accept responsibility for the false statements in them. This makes it seem to me like the obstruction investigation is alive and well regarding conspiracies to lie to Congress and lie to the public, especially given the news on Kelly, who joined in August of 2017. He didn't come in until August of 2017. And all the cooperation with McGahn, uh, and he used public deception to obstruct justice and not just to mislead the public, if that makes sense. Uh, it's important because he didn't just lie to Congress, but he lied to the public. And that is important because it was a message to other witnesses involved in Trump Tower Moscow on how to lie about Trump Tower Moscow. That means everyone else who testified to Congress and lied about the Trump Tower Moscow ending in tw- January 2016, uh, 2017, 2016, sorry. <laughs> they were basing their stories on what Cohen had said publicly. And that could have been what spurred the Senate to send over that batch of transcripts that you were talking about, Jordan, last mm-hmm. week in Hot Notes uh, from others who may have lied to them. And that could be akin to conspiracy to obstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cohen's lies also obscured the fact that Trump Tower Moscow was lucrative because, you know, you don't come out and say, you know, we could get hundreds of millions of dollars from Russia mm-hmm. while I'm running for office. And they hacked the election. That seems weird. That all seems way too coincidental. Yeah. And all of, despite that, the uh, Supreme uh, Supreme. 
the Supreme SCO. No, the Special Counsel, Supreme Counsel's <laughs> Office. Yeah, the um, sour cream and tomatoes. <laughs> the Special Counsel's Office tells the judge uh, to go ahead and sentence him for the SDNY stuff, but not add, don't add any time for the charge of lying to Congress, because perhaps what he eventually told the truth about could implicate many others in the crime of lying to Congress. Um, we're going to find that out in the coming weeks. It could help him roll people like Kushner or Jr. or Ivanka or Bannon or everyone else who basically said Trump Tower was over early mm-hmm. uh, and coordinated their story with, with Cohen. Yeah, it's going to be the first lot. domino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little tell there. That's crazy, you mm-hmm. guys. Um, the, the Cohen SDNY document, the Southern District of New York prosecutors, this one's 40 pages. It's a lot less nice. <laughs> My favorite thing is on page 33, the word lodestar is used. So, hmm. Interesting. Remember the op-ed? Mm-hmm. The supernova. Lodestar like, supernova, yeah. Yeah, our, our uh, episode's called Lodestar Supernova. But they use the word lodestar. Like, why do they keep just peppering that in there? Like, that's just funny to me. Yeah. Or they're trying to tell us something. Or it's the guy. I don't know. Yeah. But they're really into that word. Uh, so we already knew that Cohen uh, implicated the president when he pleaded guilty to eight charges in the Southern District of New York, uh, Southern District of New York, six for tax evasion and two, two for counts of campaign finance violations, where he said he was directed to do so by the president, basically uh, making Trump an unnamed co-conspirator, mm-hmm. unindicted co-conspirator. And that was in August. But last week, Cohen was back in court and he pleaded guilty to lying to Congress about um, the Trump Tower of Moscow as part of the Mueller investigation. Uh, and not with the same prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. These are different. And that's why we have two separate documents here. Mm-hmm. So now all the felonies combined are being heard by the same judge. And Cohen is asked for time served <laughs> or no jail time. But the Southern District of New York filed a really mad, angry document <laughs> as to what a giant piece of shit Cohen is. So Cohen is set to be sentenced next Wednesday, December 12th, on all of his felonies. And this document says he committed four distinct federal crimes. Quote, now he seeks extraordinary leniency, but the crimes committed by Cohen were marked by a pattern of deception and were evidently hidden from his friends and family. Uh, Unquote. So the Southern District of New York recognizes that Cohen provided assistance to the special counsel, and they clarified that Cohen does not have a cooperation agreement. And they say... He should not be given credit for a traditional cooperating agreement as a, as a traditional cooperating witness would get. Uh, they thereby recommend a substantial term of imprisonment that reflects, quote, a modest downward variance from the applicable guidelines range. So maybe give him a tiny break, but mm-hmm. they want to throw the book at him. So SDNY says, uh, we'd be cool with shaving a little time, but this dude's a scumbag. The applicable guideline is four to six years. Probation department is recommending three and a half. Yeah. They don't have anything uh, to gain from him like Mueller does, so that was smart of the special counsel to shift that over to SDNY because they don't have to sit sit there and be like, thanks for telling us all this stuff about an investigation we're not looking into. They just get to totally do <laughs> yeah. whatever they need to do. And and he ha- he a normal cooperating witness would have to tell you every crime he's ever committed in his life and implicate all sorts of people, and that's what SDNY expects when they bring in people like this. So when he's not going to tell them anything but these things, they're like, Fuck you, then. Yeah. We recommend almost the full jail sentence that you're Ooh. supposed to face. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They're mad. They're like, they're like, this is, this is a not. We don't like you. <laughs> um, so it goes, it goes on to outline his four crimes over several years, which include willful tax evasion, making false statements to a financial institution, lying to a bank to get a loan, illegal campaign contributions, and lying to Congress. Of course, they go on to say that what his crimes have in common is that they're all deceptive. And they're all motivated by personal greed and ambition. And Cohen was already rich, so it pisses the prosecution off, off even more 
than if he were in need, which is a pretty interesting point of view, right? They're actually saying his crimes are worse because he's privileged, and I love that. Yeah, that's really new to me. That's I'm beautiful, but yeah. this is a new kind of push for that in law. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to see that language in a court document. Yeah, this was a sp- this was for us. Mm-hmm. This was written for us because they're like the regular American is out there, you know, voting, going to the polls, doing phone banks, knocking on doors, and here's this guy from the shadows influencing elections like an asshole. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, they're listening guy, to the right? people. I love that so much. That's disenfranchising the voters, mm-hmm. and that's why it's important. And they're saying that's why this is, matters. Yeah. in the United States, I completely agree. By the way, sentencing sentencing him to pretty much the full extent, at least in the SDNY case, because. We've talked about this before. Yeah, he's cooperating now, but he's had an entire history of being a complete crook for so long. Yeah, and this actually separating it, like you said, leaves Mueller to be a good good cop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning, come talk to me. Mm-hmm. I won't recommend any jail time for you. Flynn, look, Flynn, no jail time. Exactly. Be good and cooperate. Because the cooperation with Mueller is way more important than the cooperation with SDNY, I think. I mean, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's all important. You should be telling the truth all the time. But in terms of the implications for the greater investigation, it's good that Mueller is able to provide an incentive like that. Yeah, it's good for Mueller to stay a good cop so that he he can entice people to cooperate. Because in the face of all this public obstruction of justice where he's, you know, where Trump's dangling pardons and and everyone's releasing their testimony so everyone can make it the same. Mm -hmm. Cohen went public with his. Corsi went public with his plea agreement. Manafort blew up his plea agreement. You know, they're all just being totally out and open and public about what they the lies they say so that yeah. everyone can tell the same lies i have a question for you ag Would, are, are you personally uh cool with Mueller letting someone like cohen go for the sake of getting closer to trump is that because i know that's a whole idea of flipping is to get the smaller fish out but someone like cohen i'm like man he's done so much shady shit that's what the sdny is doing right right he's not gonna go, get off the hook the so, sdny um, is gonna throw the book at him he's gonna get fortified he's gonna serve his jail sentence no matter what Mueller does that's gonna be a separate thing that they do no matter what is that what you're saying well, that was what this whole document was, this 40-page yeah. document. They're recommending pretty much the full jail time right, for right. his crimes. Where Mueller's like, don't add any for me, but, you know. Okay, yeah, no extra. A, it's good cop, bad cop. He's leaving the, you, you know, the SDNY to do, to be the bad cop. So that, yeah. so that Mueller can be, can maintain his, you know, his uh, track record mm-hmm. of going easy on cooperating witnesses. Yeah, yeah. But I you don't it. have to worry about Cohen getting let off the hook because it sounds like the Southern District of New York is not letting him off the hook and Mueller would know that. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it was a really smart move by Mueller and I was just going to say that Mueller knew that SDNY would do that and he wouldn't get off the hook completely. And it's important that he doesn't get off the hook completely for the continued, you know, justice of, of that department. It's like if, if he got off on nothing that would be crazy that was what i was worried about me out about flynn yeah flynn got no he's not he doesn't have a a tandem southern district of new york uh Mm -hmm. lawsuit trial going on so yeah that's why i try to find comfort in the fact that flynn is a a bad guy who only seemed to be briefly bad i don't know i think he was bad for a long time but yeah probably um and it's extra sad because he's a veteran um yeah yeah that makes me that makes me mad soft spot um no, like it makes me mad that he would. Oh, even more mad at him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On the flip side, for me, I'm just like, oh, but he did so much good. He's also an asshole. So maybe that's just being the first, like Mueller said, being the first guy to flip, no matter how bad it was. He was like, that guy's getting off the best. I personally think three star admirals in the Navy should be held to a higher standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just me. No, good point. <clears throat> I guess everyone's the same. Fine, everyone's the same. <laughs> but the big news in this filing, guys, is the implication of Trump 
in the campaign finance violations. Now, we knew from Cohen's previous hearing when he pled guilty that he says the president directed him to violate the law. But in this document, the prosecution spells out that Trump did, in fact, order the payoffs, which amount to illegal campaign contributions, and they lay out all the proof in detail. It says Cohen played a pivotal role in purchasing the rights of two stories about women who claimed they have had affairs with Trump so as to suppress the stories and prevent them from having a negative impact on Trump's election. That's the intent. And that's important because that's uh, we've had this with John Edwards, where they were trying to get him on the same thing, but they couldn't prove that the intent was to change the election because it happened a year before the election mm-hmm. when he was paying for his uh, mistress's apartment or yeah. whatever. There was enough room in there in between. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they never told anybody about it. So it's not, it's not <laughs> like, you know, but Cohen coordinated his actions with one or more members of the Trump campaign. It says one or more members of the Trump campaign through meetings and phone calls about the fact and the nature and the timing of the payments. Uh, one or more. Uh, that's big. And that he acted in coordination with and at the d- direction of Donald Trump. Yeah. So. That's yeah. a little more on the nose there, yeah. Definitely. That means more subpoenas and indictments to come. Yeah. So this isn't just Cohen saying it happened. This is federal prosecutors in New York saying this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they funneled them through uh, Trump's real estate businesses, these payments. Um, and the filing gives all the details about how the payments were made. So now it's it's not Cohen. Like I said, it's not just him saying Trump committed felonies. Federal prosecutors, uh, three or three of them in Southern District, New York, they're saying it. And they are laying out the proof that it happened. The government has proof that Trump committed these felonies. So not only did he defraud voters by influencing the elections from the shadows, Cohen, but he told people in uh, text messages he thought he was going to get a prominent position in the White House because of what he had done. And when he didn't, he set up a slush fund, uh, essential consultants. It's, it's fucking essential. He set that up and started taking money from businesses trying to buy access and influence in the White House without providing anything really of value in return. And all told, he made more than $4 million before those contracts were terminated. So he's like, oh, you're not going to promote me, so I'm going to make money on the side from you anyways for doing nothing. So while he may have helped the special counsel's office, the Southern District New York don't give a shit. (laughs) They want him to go to prison. And that was their recommendation. He's an asshole. Yeah. All right, Manafort. Time for Manafort. Oh, oh my God. I forgot there was more. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, Lots is redacted in this. First, Mueller wants the court to know that he's about to lay out a bunch of lies and that he can prove Manafort lied in a hearing uh, with documentary evidence and witness testimony if the court wants to do that. It also includes a motion to file under seal factual material that relates to pending investigations and uncharged individuals. So there's a second document that was filed under seal. That's Mm. the one I wish I could read. Uh, it then goes on to describe the case law that allows for the prosecution of uh, to breach the cooperation agreement. It lays forth how Manafort breached his agreement. So this document is not a sentencing memorandum. We thought it was going to be a, here's every single crime he ever committed and here's how you should sentence him. It's not that. It's a, here's why we blew up the plea agreement. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Here's the lies he told after he started cooperating. This is why we're blowing up the plea agreement. Mm-hmm. And it only outlines those lies and crimes. It doesn't outlaw anything he did before yeah. or any of his collusionary stuff. Collusory. <laughs> uh, so the first thing, it says interactions with Kalimnik. So first he lied about interactions with Kalimnik. And if you remember, Konstantin Kalimnik is the guy who was uh, indicted alongside Manafort. He's the guy who was the go-between between him and Deripaska, right? Like, he's the one who sent the message to Kalimnik, like, if I give up, you know, campaign briefings to you that you sent to Deripaska, will this make us whole? Mm-hmm. Because he owed Deripaska like $19 million from a, a telecom deal that went shitty mm-hmm. right so first so he lied about interactions with Kalimnik after he started cooperating and then 
much of the document is redacted. <laughs> it appears to say what he lied about and what really happened, both of which are redacted. And then it says the evidence included electronic communications and travel records. And when they showed those documents to Manafort, Manafort conceded. When he said, here's your travel documents. So he's like, oh, yeah, I met with Kalumnik. <laughs> We may, uh, and, and, and he and Kalimnik discussed or may have discussed redacted at each meeting. So that's probably, I think that that's Deripaska or the Trump, you know, Trump campaign. Yeah. So there were multiple meetings, possibly one with Deripaska, and they have proof of Manafort's travel and maybe Deripaska's and Kalimnik's travel as well. And they discuss something that's been redacted. <laughs> and then there's more redacted stuff about Kalimnik. Um, the number two thing on there is Kalimnik's role in the obstruction conspiracy. And this is about Manafort reaching out to two witnesses through Kalimnik to get them to change their testimony. Manafort lied about uh, this after he entered into his plea agreement. This is the thing where uh, that, that blew up his bail and got him thrown in the clink. The suborning perjury. <laughs> yeah. And he continued to lie about it after he agreed to, to cooperate. Then he admitted he conspired with Kalimnik to suborn witnesses trying to get them to exculpate him of FARA violations. Now... This is funny because every single thing that he lied about, he eventually, oh, yeah, I lied. Mm -hmm. And this is all in the last couple. This is after he started to cooperate. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. He's just got to be like, dude, I'm going away for a long time. I'm just going to do whatever I can right now. (laughs) To stall, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, he's just pushing back the inevitable. He's already in jail because he suborned those witnesses. And so it's like, you dumbass. (laughs) Uh, and they won't let him wear a suit. He's got to wear a green jumpsuit. I love it. Good. The number three thing is payment to a firm working for Manafort. This is about a $125,000 payment Manafort lied about from firm A to entity B. And then there's a bunch of redactions. I can't guess what this was for, other than maybe a little conjecture. Perhaps it was about that whitewashed report on Tomashenko by the Skadden mm-hmm. Law Firm, maybe. Or maybe a payoff for the conspiracy to lie about Farah, where he maybe paid those two people. I don't know. My beans are on the first one, the whitewash. It's all, yeah, it's all redacted, and I can only speculate. But it does say Mueller has documentary evidence that the payment was not what Manafort said it was about. So <laughs> That's all that matters. I know. <laughs> and then number four is mysterious. It's another Department of Justice investigation. The, uh, this says that prior to the cooperation agreement, Manafort provided information about person, name, redacted, uh, that was pertinent to an investigation in another district. But after his agreement, he changed his story and gave up exculpatory information about the redacted person and then changed it back when shown notes of his own testimony in the earlier proffer sessions prior to the plea agreement. <laughs> so he can't even fucking remember what he lied about. Yeah. So he came in, he gave this information about name redacted, and then he came in after his plea agreement and said, uh, changed a story about that guy, or lady, probably guy. Right. And then they said, but you said... And here's when you said, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, he, mm. he, he can't even. That's a true pathological liar right there. They get their lies remember. mixed up. Yeah. He's such a piece of shit. And then number five, contact with the administration. After his plea agreement, Manafort said he didn't have direct or indirect communications with anyone in the administration. You said no. The lie detector test determined <laughs> that a was a lie. <laughs> so here we go. Quote, the evidence demonstrates that Manafort had contact with administration officials. Unquote. For example, in a text exchange from May 26, 2018, Manafort authorized a person to communicate with the Trump administration uh, officials on Manafort's behalf. And Mueller had all the text communications. And this sounds like maybe that could have been that foldering thing that was mm. going on oh, when he was yeah. trying to get his, he was he had a spare laptop brought in. and he, mm-hmm. But that was back in May. I don't know. That's interesting that they, yeah, it might come up. I don't know. 
But apart from all that, there was, like I said, a second document filed under seal about uncharged individuals and ongoing investigations. Those are those superseding indictments I've been talking about for a year. That's what's in there. And uh, it's important to note that this is not the sentencing recommendation, like I said, for Manafort. And what I want to know, again, is why nobody's talking about what happens with the crimes he's committed that he's not been charged with. Mm. Um, All the conspiracy crimes, collusory crimes, uh, crimes. We asked, like I said, I asked Renato Mariotti about that. He's that law professor. He's the host of On Topic, the podcast, great podcast. And like he said, um, like I said, he said there's probably more conduct they could charge Manafort with, but it's more efficient to present the judges. Yes, there are two judges because there's two cases <laughs> who are already sentencing him so they can factor them in. In that case, we would hear about the crimes of collusion in the sentencing memorandum whenever that comes out sometimes before sometime before March 5th, unless it gets pushed back again. All so right. Put some beans on it. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's those are the big three. Woo! That's <laughs> my brain is, is so packed right now. Like that's a lot of information at once. <laughs> Why do you think they did that all in the same week? That's just how the, the cards fell. Man. I guess so. That's pretty nuts, though. I love it. I it's, love that it all rolled up the same week. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. To get in a week. But there's but I think the Cohen and the Manafort filings have separate redacted filings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that we don't get to see. Thanks um, for breaking that down, too. Yeah. Because it was harder to process in real time when the news was rolling out. And now I'm like, oh, OK. It was so much. Yeah. And, and people, you know, the, I appreciate them going through the details and stuff. But to look at it big picture, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to kind of pull all that together and just remember that these aren't these aren't all the, these aren't all the things. Um, There's always more. It's yeah. all yet to come. And he can't release anything uh, that could uh, be, you know, harmful to any open and ongoing investigation so we knew that until the, unless the, until and unless the stone indictments came out there's a lot of redacted that stuff. all this was going to be redacted yeah we, we knew it but there's still so much from even the unredacted parts that i can't even imagine what an episode would look like if we got all the information yeah i want that i want the second they're under coming. seal yeah memorandums yeah there's so much fun conjecture that came out of even the released you know redacted <laughs> images like people found out that the length of donald J. trump would be the exact same length as yeah. some of the redacted elements and yeah scott Stedman showed that mm-hmm. it was like pixel size of, yeah. brilliant yeah. exactly i loved all the jokes that came out of it the memes the redacted memes trump has tiny pixels <laughs> i'm sure yeah the redact memes were good yeah uh, I, I we posted a, a picture of the uh, united states flag mm-hmm. that was a good one um that looked like a redacted document yeah where the stripes were the redacted redaction they did the outcast album cover um i think it was stanktonia or something like that because it has like an american flag in the back and they put the redacted picture <laughs> over it yeah. somebody a mural went up yeah a huge mural went up of the redacted documents people um, are creative man. i've got some great pictures of instead of it's, it's saying trump tower international it says individual one tower <laughs> And we should start uh, re- referring to him as individual one now. As much as we can, that's yeah. That's what he is, yeah. a fun drinking game. Or uh, another nickname I came up with, uh, with, and I'm sure that I'm not the first to come up with this, is that uh, somebody was talking about the, the, the payments and how they were, you know, made on accident or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I've said, oh, yeah, it must be just like how he accidentally must have just fallen into that playmate. <laughs> Maybe a couple times because he's a two-pump Trump. And oh. then I left it at that. And then I said, I'll show myself out. Two-pump <laughs> Trump. Yeah. And then yeah. I and then I wanted to show myself out for saying I'll show myself out because that's also kind of a hack. <laughs> that's joke. beautiful. What if his slogan for 2020 is like four more pumps? <laughs> <laughs> four more pumps. Oh, nobody wants that. No one. <laughs> All right, you guys. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. The she in Muller She Wrote is no accident. 
Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box. All women and all LGBTQ plus allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting MullerSheWrote.com and become a patron today. Alrighty, ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Okay, guys. It's time for the Fantasy Indictment League, and we don't have enough spots. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not. Uh, it's not enough. So I have to draft Erickson for the week. He got the letter saying he was going to be indicted. Yeah. I think that, I feel like that usually happens within a certain amount of time. So I'm going to stick with, or I'm going to draft Erickson. Uh, I'll stick with Stone and Assange and a Corsi plea agreement. I still think he's going to flip, Jordan, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then a Boutina plea agreement. I think we might get news on that. We've It's been in the rumblings. It's just been rumors. Nobody gets points for it yet. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. do that. So Corsi plea agreement, Boutina plea agreement, Stone, Assange, and Erickson. Whew. That's good. That's the, it's as good as it gets. I'm like, what could I even say to that? Um, I feel like I'll just stick with a rando for the fun of it, but I'll do my usuals as well. I'll do. Now keep, in, keep in mind, too, Manafort could be brought up on additional crimes. He will. He will for sure, I think. I yeah. just don't know if it's this week. Because well, Renato was saying that they might not. They might just spell it out in the sentencing agreement. Yes, mm, but that's true. I take still. back my for sure. I yeah. didn't go to law school. I don't know what the hell I'm good talking point, about good here. Good point. You know, I, I wanted to add a. I wanted to add Scott Free to my random. <laughs> we never talked about Scott, Scott Free. <laughs> oh gosh, that was a great day. Um, yeah. Okay, so I've got Kush, uh, who I know is a big fish, but just holding out hope. Um, Boutina, plea deal, still have her. Um, I believe I had Corsi last week, so I'll keep that and, and plea because he hates Trump now. And um, well, he doesn't. He's not, not Credico. He's not oh, the one who right. hates Trump. But I'm I confused. think he's gonna go he number. Still might go number. Okay, he's okay. Go number. Yeah, I'll keep him in there. And um, man, they should have a sitcom. I keep confusing them, Corsi and Credico. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do a rando, and then one more. Um, who do I normally have? There's so many that I mix them Jeff up. Jeff Stone, now. Assange. I don't have Boutina. Boutina, yeah. Okay, Boutina, I do have. Uh, I don't have Erickson, even though I know it's likely to happen. I just want to be different, so <laughs> I'm going to do... Uh, Play to win, Jaleesa. Yeah, yeah. My last one, I'm going to pick Stone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely have Stone on there, even though it's what we've been saying like for weeks now we should get here get those indictments. But Any they, week now, yeah, yeah. But they, again, they could be delayed by the Miller case, the Miller subpoena, Miller subpoena case mm-hmm. that's going through the courts right now where he's challenging the uh, constitutionality of, of Mueller's appointment. They might be waiting for that to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, he could be really pressing Corsi. That could take a while mm-hmm. to get him to flip. You never know. But uh, we'll I see. Yeah. Yeah, I got to keep Stone on there. I got to. And now this Assange thing where they announced that he's going to be free. Not free, but uh, Ecuador's good with him yeah. being kicked out of the embassy, the Ecuadorian embassy. You know what? Yeah, I'll replace my rando with Assange. That one's too good. I can't let it go. <laughs> it's just too good. It's too good. All right, what do you got? Okay, so I have... It's hard because there are so many, obviously, but I think what I'm going to do, I'm doing Trump org. I'm going to do Bettina plea deal. I'm doing Erickson. I'm doing Corsi plea deal and Assange. And I'm leaving out Stone because I'm thinking maybe for this week at least, the likelihood of them going for the smaller fish first or something 
would make sense. It and does, I think yeah. the Trump org has a good chance of of uh, being indicted. Too. Indicted by Mueller or just indicted? Um, Is that indicted? A, you were, said we can count, right? They were just subpoenaed for um, for the emoluments case. Yes, so you, it's not not going to be that this week. Oh, like that's the the biggest thing you think they'll have for a while is that subpoena you think they won't move that quickly you don't think they they just send out the subpoenas i don't know how these things work how, oh, long, yeah. do, how long does it how long does it take they haven't even should? interviewed them okay well then whatever but that's the emoluments just, case that's that's dc and maryland court that's not part of the Mueller investigation right but didn't you say and that it's got we nothing can, to do with russia either i thought you said we could still do that that Trump for financial case, stuff the butina one Oh. And you can do the Trump organization as it relates to the Mueller investigation. No, oh, no, okay, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay, well, now I'll replace Trump work with Stone. Nice. That's All good. Right. That's good. No, I, I don't want to feel like I was twisting your arm on that. No, I don't know. Like like you totally make the rules, so it makes sense that we would well, look to you. <laughs> I do feel like just because it's Trump related, even though it's not Mueller investigation related, if it relates to indicting an organization that has his own name in it, mm. part of me feels like. Yeah, it is it impeachment count, related. But it is not. The Mueller investigation in that is yeah. Fair. It actually has nothing to do with Russia. It's just emoluments. Yeah, um, no, that's totally fair. Just bad, but Trump. it does have to do with bad Trump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just an extra fun, yeah, icing on the cake. Maybe we'll do some sort of a bonus uh, alt draft where you can call um, indictments and charges that aren't part of the Mueller investigation. Maybe yeah. get some bonus points or something like that. Spinoff yeah. league. I like that. We'll yeah, work yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. Like a, no, that is totally fair. Like an alt list. But yes, well then, especially considering the slow moving nature of subpoenas that I did not fully consider. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Even if it was relevant to the Mueller investigation, I'm going to take them off and replace them with Stone. Okay. Okay. Nice. Sounds good. All right. And I don't know if it's a slow moving as much as it's there's like 18 of them. Yeah. And they've got to interview all those folks and mm -hmm. get all the documentary evidence. Just time and, consuming in and general. And they just subpoenaed the Trump org for all those documents and stuff. And you know they'll slow roll that shit. Yeah. For yeah. As long as they can because they're a-holes. <laughs> uh, unless Weisselberg's, you know, is that is that who... The Weissman. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who got immunity. Unless he's go. helping them out, too. Who knows? The financial um, guy? Yeah, the the accountant. I think it's Weissman. Weisselman sounds like, yeah. Let me look him up because I don't want to get his name wrong. Yeah, fact-checking in real time. Weiss Andrew Weissman? I don't know his first he's name. A, he's on Mueller's team. It is Weisselberg. Weisselberg. Yeah. Weissman is there we go. Alan Weisselberg. Yeah, I was thinking Weissman, you said. Yeah, he's yeah, one yeah. of the prosecutors okay. on the special counsel. Are you guys ready for sabotage? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This does definitely. This is the in the true spirit of sabotage. This is going to throw Ooh. a wrench into at least my fantasy indictment pick this leagues this week. Mm. According to reporting from Vanity Fair's Gabriel Sherman, Don Jr. is facing an indictment for lying to Congress. And Jackie Spear said this week on television he lied multiple times to Congress. And this week he left for Canada. <gasps> Gabriel Sherman was told by a source familiar with the matter that quote they think the bomb is coming this week. And he doesn't want to be anywhere near a microphone if the bomb drops. Damn. At least he's smarter than his dad. He's like, I don't want to even, you know, put myself in more trouble by having a microphone near me. Yeah. I saw that he was going to Canada, but I didn't even think about that. I thought he was hunting. He is. He's hunting in Canada. Oh, yeah. okay. Hunting for a better lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, hunting for a PR firm to help him out of all this. Yeah, for a yeah. clue. So I have to. So that means if I if I add Junior, I have to take someone else off. So I have to either take Erickson, Stone, Assange, Corsi, or Butina. Oh, Corsi, right? And I'm going to take Corsi off yeah. of there because he could take a while. Totally. If they indict DTJ for lying to Congress, would that not mean that there's a 
like everybody else that lied as well that's going to come out at the same time or do you think he would come out first for some reason well that well, I, I the only reason is because somebody close to him said that he's in Canada to avoid that yeah yeah case it happens. <laughs> like so that's why I was like oh it was this week okay um, they think it's this week yeah. what's interesting to me is that I feel like Mueller would and he might have already done this gone to these guys who lied to Congress particularly maybe about the Trump Tower Moscow thing mm-hmm. that's just one thing that he knows that a bunch of people lied about and Cohen kind of orchestrated it when he publicly said what his lies were um, I think that if if he's indicted for that lying to Congress I feel like he'd go to him separately and say hey like give him what course he got I got you lying to Congress so here's what I'm going to offer you if you cooperate. Yeah. And I don't think we would hear about that indictment until <laughs> he sort of made that offer to yeah. to mm-hmm. the kids. You want to flip on Papa? Flip on Papa? Flip on Papa? I love it. Flip I, I like that. I'm going to actually do the same switch. I'm going to take off Corsi and put individual one junior on there. Yeah. it's uh, uh, Trump is individual one. Yeah, junior. <laughs> no, Trump is individual one. So well, this no, is, she's this saying is individual one junior. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, oh. I'm I like, know, you couldn't no, shake it. No, it's not. It. You're like, yeah. yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. <laughs> My brain's like that oh. too sometimes. <laughs> individual one means Trump, and so individual one junior is Trump junior. Yeah, um, yeah. I, <laughs> it doesn't sound as smooth, so I can see how it goes over your head. <laughs> I miss a lot, you guys. Believe it or not, I do. Um, it happens. It happens more frequently than I like to admit. <clears throat> anyway, so, all right, cool. I don't know, though. It's like he could, they might wait. You know, they, like I said, it might be secret back dealings where Mueller's like, hey, buddy, psst, hey, God, you lied to yeah. Congress. You want to help? You want to help? But he could be indicted. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It, maybe he's the indictment fight, uh, subpoena fight. Oh, mm. You know, we, we mm-hmm. you know, that's holding everything up. Yeah, it yeah. Could, could be. I yeah. don't know. But then people are also <laughs> saying it could have been John Kelly and the timing we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We'll f- I know we'll find out one day, but I want to know now. Those are big beans. Yeah, I'm eager for those, too. They yeah. are. They're Who, super big beans. What friend was it that said he's fleeing to Canada? Yeah, what kind of friend are you? <laughs> Seriously. Who, <laughs> <laughs> like, has I don't know. the lion that, that is, he's hunting? Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> Maybe it was Dick Cheney. He's like, oh. hunting's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> don't go hunting with your friend. Don't shoot him in the face. Yeah, to distract yes. from the Mueller investigation, he would shoot someone in the face. <laughs> yeah, probably. Totally. Yeah, he can't stay in Canada forever. Mm. Um, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm. yeah. Sorry, Canada, if he does. Yeah, we didn't mean to do yeah, that. We'd like to forward. apologize on behalf of the United States to Canada and its uh, provinces for having to have him there. Yeah. Um, we're very sorry. If yeah. any back Canadian listeners see him, just let us know. Tweet us. Can <laughs> Tweet you imagine like him going through customs? Like, what brings you to Canada? Uh, fleeing indictments. Yeah, you know, <laughs> typical. <laughs> Looking for a safe house. You got mm-hmm. any cabins? They should like spray him with the uh, what do they do with the tear gas with the people at the border? They should do that to Don Jr. as he's going oh, through God. Canada. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Tear gassing yeah, invaders yeah. <laughs> into our country. Yeah. Oh my God, that's terrible. Okay, I do think I am going to put him on my list, and I'm going to take um, I'm going to take Stone off for this week okay. or replace him with DTJ. All right, yeah. kind of the same logic you had. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, guys. It's time for the interview. And uh, this week we had a discussion with uh, Grant Stern, so check it out. So joining us today to discuss some bits about the Cohen findings this week is editor of Occupy Democrats at the WashingtonPress.com. He's the producer of the Dworkin Report podcast and publisher of the SternFacts.com, Grant Stern. Grant, welcome back to MSW. Thank you for having me back on the program, AG. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. 
So you wanted to talk to me a little bit today about uh, a guy named Weldon. And way back in episode 32, we released on June 10th called Manafort Slapped with a Superseding Indictment. Um, Our Fantasy Indictment League uh, was a bit about this guy. So I basically went over uh, a report um, after, you know, we we went through the Kalimnik indictment and we all got points for that. And then, (laughs) because that's part of the Fantasy Indictment League. But, and I also added Sean Hannity and somebody named Alaham and Muzin, two friends of Broidy, to my Fantasy Indictment League that week. And then uh, during that report, I talked about uh, Natasha Bertrand, who's a staff writer at The Atlantic. She put out an article on ex-congressman Weldon, who has ties to Trump and Russia. Uh, 20 years ago, he lost his bid for re-election in Pennsylvania after an FBI investigation exposed his ties to two Russian companies. And uh, back in June, Dianne Feinstein wanted the Senate Judiciary to interview Weldon about his suspicious suspicious ties to Trump and Russia. And it seems that back then he seemed to know about Trump wanting to lift sanctions on Russia. uh, And he knew about the role a Russian oligarch may have played in trying to influence the Trump campaign and a significant instance in which a foreign national wanted to sway Trump through one of Trump's closest advisors. And I can't help but think that that might have been Cohen. (laughs) Um, And this (laughs) sounding like it starting to sound like it. This guy might have the intel. I said back then, this guy might have the intel about a specific quid pro quo. So I'm adding him to our fantasy indictment draft. Natasha reports he's likely connect to Artemenko, Cohen and Sater. Um, and was probably funded by Vexelberg, all of whom have been questioned by Mueller except for Cohen <laughs> until now. So the $500,000 payment to Cohen by Columbus Nova was likely about this Ukraine peace deal, and Dianne Feinstein believes Weldon is the linchpin in that. So what? What? Uh, now that we've got these Cohen documents, and now that I'm reading back, it seems to just slide in really nicely, doesn't it? It certainly does, doesn't it? Um... So I want to first start by acknowledging my co-author, Patrick Simpson. He's on Twitter at Patrick L. Simpson. And we started writing a series on the stern facts called the grand old Putin party. And yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. We laugh when we say it too. I think it's a good title. Um, but, but what happened is, so we, we started examining, we're like, man, there's this one guy and he's like the Forrest Gump of Russian lobbyists. He's everywhere. Okay. Like he just turns up everywhere. Uh, but he's very smart. Um, anyway, so we, we kind of like saw this guy and we're like, man, this guy is like really close to the heritage foundation and he's having these annual events and people are coming to these annual events. Like who are these people that are going to these very frequent Russia events? And then who are the people that continued going? And so we started writing this series And we released the first 10 parts um, in May of 2017, um, outlining how this one fellow was a Republican, a Russian-American Republican, basically lobbyist for Putin that wasn't registered. And after that series came out about a month later, you know, I told Patrick to write the story that he wrote on Weldon. He dug up Weldon. We talked about it. We're like, this guy is definitely a player. Like, Rohrabacher is a player. In fact, um, 
I, I'd like to call him. Because that's who I instantly thought of when we started talking about Weldon again. I was like uh, trying to, you know, recall him to the my, the front of my brain. Sure. Part of my brain. And, uh, the, and, and Rohrabacher like, kept coming up in my head. Well, Weldon would be like the Putin's first favorite congressman. And by the way, probably a much more favored congressman because Weldon was in Congress for 20 years. He lost his 2006 election after the FBI raided him. Um, it was a deal that he tried to concoct to give $100 million of U.S. tax money to a company in Russia that supposedly had a good in with Putin. Which you would think, does our government really need that? Um, but it, it did have a good in with Putin because it was run by the former head of the FSB intelligence service, by the way, who's still the head of the FSB. This guy was a connection of Weldon's. So it, it puts him very high on the suspicion list when you know that this person openly was trying to concoct a deal between the United States government and the head of the FSB. Um, that, that is Kurt Weldon. That was his swan song in Congress. And he's quite bitter about that, by the way. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he says he's a victim like Hillary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but, but here's the thing. So, you know, we, we researched Cohen and Weldon and I mean, they intersect when it came to that back channel Ukrainian peace deal. But as we've been learning from, the revelations with Cohen's latest plea deal and then sentencing report this week. Um, you know, he obscured that Moscow Tower project, right? Um, he obscured that, that he was doing with Felix Sater, the Russian mobster, um, you know, Russian-American mobster uh, turned FBI informant. So he's doing this deal with Sater, doing the deal with Sater, hides it, completely from January through June, uh, which is a key time in the campaign. And then suddenly those two popped up again together for this Ukrainian peace deal. Weldon and Cohen. Uh, well, Weldon had a role in it that nobody understood, but Patrick actually wrote about as part of our coverage in June of 2017. You see, Weldon wrote the plan and he wrote it with a Ukrainian oligarch that connected to Paul Manafort. Oh no, really? Oh yes, really. And they they did it in a college conference. Are there any Ukrainian oligarchs that don't connect to Paul Manafort? Or <laughs> it, it, it's a very small pool compared to, compared to the Russian oligarch uh, parties. You know, like they're more Putin friends. The Ukrainian ones, they're all Manafort buddies. <laughs> right. And it's funny whenever they talk about lobbyists here, I'm like, are there any who haven't worked with Russia? Like I can't like I would uh, I could go open a lobbying firm and just be my whole advertisement would be I've never worked with Russia. And that's <laughs> crazy, but true. And I would yeah. be the only one, I think. <laughs> so so, you know, we've traced the connections and and we've stumbled into something. OK, we stumbled into something actually like. A little bit bigger than just Trump Russia, if you want to kind of <laughs> bear with me for a minute. These people have a couple of businesses, and our friend Weldon is connected with some of Cohen's friends, including Artemenko, through an aviation business in Florida. And and we have been investigating that. And the reason, yeah, weren't you talking about that a while? Like you've been you've been working on that for a while, right? Well, we've been working on a lot of things for a while, but like 
But this is big, that that the special counsel's office is looking at Weldon. Uh, hang on one second. Refresh refresh my memory. Was there some sort of aviation business in Florida that got shut down? And th- this is, I feel like this has been in the news before. This has come up before. Um, I don't know. The, the only other thing that has come up, and I don't know if it has any connection. It's just a Cohen Florida aviation connection, which is that um, Cohen actually one of the items that he's being convicted of uh, is hiding a hundred thousand dollar real estate commission for selling a home in a Florida aviation community in Ocala. Um, the aviation company that we found is in South Florida. Ocala is in North Central Florida. Um, you know, Florida has these aviation communities. Yeah. That, that, yeah, it was. Yes, it, that was it. That was it, Grant. It was the, it was the yeah. aviation, it was the aviation community. That's what I was thinking of. Right. I believe that was part of his, his time working for the nation state of Qatar. Um, they're another favorite topic of mine. We could do a whole podcast about that. But um, in short, um, the special counsel's office is investigating Kurt Weldon because he's on the board of a Russian mob connected aviation company. That company is connected to Andre Ardomenko, who took the plan from Weldon and a man named Alexander Roved. Uh, they made it at a, a Pennsylvania area college. We have video footage of them with the plan. And it was actually drafted by a former Heritage uh, Foundation lawyer, uh, you know, like he was involved in all this. Um, and, and we have actually two reports on it on the sternfacts.com. I'll tweet them out in a second so everybody can take a look. But <clears throat> The crooks of this, like the rub, the reason why we know it's like mob connected and what, are the, what is it? Like what is it is that this is a company that's been used as a cover to create fake debts and sell the portfolio of fake debts. It's a, kind of a crazy thing, but um, in America there are people who are running scams where they create paperwork claiming that people owe debts and then go try to collect. And – you know, if they call 50,000 people, you know, a few hundred will be like, oh, I must owe that and send a check or give a credit card or pay money. And and it's a giant racket. It's a literal racket. Um, it's something that the, you know, the, the federal government is actually um, cracking down on. Um, so that's, you know, that's the intersection. Um, and it's a very broad intersection when I say like mob connected. I mean, it's. Like, okay, so do you think that um, do you think that Weldon might be one of these discrete Russian uh, issues that was mentioned in the Cohen Mueller document, or or it's it's very possible, and I think you pointed it out when we chatted earlier that um, you know there's been reports that there was a bodybuilder, right, um, and, and of course Cohen actually did plan a. Uh, you know, what is it? The extreme wrestling. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan, obviously, but, uh, you know, he, he was doing the, the uh, no holds barred, um, you know, UFC style fighting. Um, and he was doing that in Russia. So, um, it, you know, that's one of the people that that is listed in the, uh, the Mueller document, uh, the November contact. And I believe that's something Scott Stedman pointed out. Um, well, that's a uh, Klokov, right? Dmitry yes, Klokov, Klokov. Yes. Uh, from the BuzzFeed reporting that came out. Mm-hmm. And um, 
gosh, if I hadn't closed my laptop, I have a little chart that tells you the name of the entertainment company there. Um, I mean, I got to say, though, you know, I give a lot of credit for this work to, to Patrick Simpson. Um, you know, it came out, it arose out of our series. And and to further, like, you know, I'm going to tweet something else out that we've done on Weldon, which is actually super important, which is that in the late 1990s, <clears throat> Kurt Weldon um, changed. Okay, and we kind of observed that change. We reported on it because it's kind of relevant. Um, You see, in 1999, he was going on CNN as a congressman and saying that America had been cyber attacked by Russia. Hmm. That sound familiar? So they got to him. Well, a few months later, he started working on a peace plan. Uh, U.S. and Russia, new beginnings. (laughs) Good old GRU. Yeah, after like one... Mm -hmm. after one particular trip and he started pitching that thing everywhere and you know the this he and this republican uh ed lozanski dr ed lozanski that we talked about um they started pitching you know cooperation and they very highly partisanized russia in the late 1990s um you know it was like yeltsin and clinton versus everybody else and you know republicans and, and the new people in their mind and, um, right in the big the big reset button and uh, right then Putin arrives and Bush arrives and this fellow Weldon was presenting his plan to Bush and Putin. Like oh wait the big reset coffee, sorry so the big reset button came with Medvedev and, well, and Hillary sorry well, my bad wrong Clinton the and reset, wrong look <laughs> the reset was Obama but there was a big reset of U.S. Russian relations when it was Putin and Bush versus Yeltsin and Clinton. Um, in fact, you know. Bill Clinton released his his archives lately, uh, uh, pretty recently, like, you know, papers and stuff. And there's a note from Yeltsin saying that I think Putin's a really good guy. <laughs> it's good reading. Not really, like, strategically important. but um, And poor Mitt Romney. He's been saying this all along. You know, Russia's the yeah, enemy. Yeah, yeah. We, we're not laughing at Mitt now. Now let's see if he does anything about it in the Senate. You know, he could lead the... <laughs> we're sorry, Mitt. You know what? Mitt could lead the gang of... Uh, it'll take 17, 20. It'll be the Romney 20 now. <laughs> yeah, it'll be the Romney 20. It was the Romney um, 9, but it was now it's the Romney 20. Yeah. I was feeling really, really, uh, uh, I was feeling really optimistic about the Senate uh, chances for Democrats until I finally took a look at the map and went, oh. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, thank you so much. Uh, everybody check out uh, the sternfacts.com and the Washington Press. Is that it? That's right. I'm I'm at WashingtonPress.com slash author slash grant. Great. And uh, thank you again so much for coming on. We always uh, appreciate your insights and your, your in-depth reporting is uh, really, really, I think, important during uh, during this kind of an investigation um, so that we can get sort of the context of what's happening and not just the top headlines. It, it is my humble honor to be invited on Mueller She Wrote with you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, that's our show this week. Kind of a jam-packed show. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, our hopes of having a 45-minute podcast, as was recommended to us by everyone in the industry, went out the window like a, a season long ago. time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we're going to start season three on January 2nd. Uh, that's when uh, House takes the gavels, uh, Democrats take, the, take control. Uh, and so that will be season three because now we're getting into reopening all the Russia investigations in Congress. And mm-hmm. we're going to, I think we're going to start seeing some of this 
um, some of these major indictments come out. Yeah, and if we get to 10,000 patrons, we'll start putting out those two episodes a week. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Uh, and another thing I was thinking of doing is just actually making uh, additional episodes, not bonus episodes, mm-hmm. but actual episodes, maybe one other episode and dropping it on Wednesday or Thursday when when the midweek news comes out, yeah. but keeping it for patrons. That's another thing we can probably do. Yeah, that's great. Um, but if we want to do it for the public, we got to get to 10,000 patrons. Good so. point. So we'll start the habit of two episodes, but patrons will get all of it. Well, you'll get now. a daily with 10,000 patrons. We'll, oh. we'll have a daily pod with 10,000 patrons, right. but that's with right. 7,000 patrons. I oh, sorry. 7,000. Well, we're already no, we're, we're past. No, we're at twenty five hundred. Yeah, so we're approaching that first. Oh, I'm thinking. Okay, my bad. It's okay. Oh, Numbers are hard for actually, me too. I take it all back. Three thousand patrons get you an extra episode every week uh, we'll, that we'll be able to afford to put on uh, two episodes a week. Mm-hmm. And then um, seven thousand patrons gets us a daily, not ten thousand. Cool, cool. Yeah. Sorry, I was. Uh, That's okay. That's just goals, man. Ambitious. I was thinking money. Uh, oh. Which we are very far from ten thousand. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Wishful thinking. But we are thinking yeah. about a tour, right? Are we talking yeah. about? The- yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh, got a lot of interest in uh, Sydney and Melbourne, Australia. Uh, mm. The UK um, mm. wants to see us. Uh, maybe London is probably where we'll go there. Um, possibly New Zealand, depending on how many um, New Zealanders we can get to yeah. come out. Yeah, Muller Wright's out there. And we're working on um, seeing if we want to do a show in Los Angeles. But in the uh, every other place we, we want to go, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, mm-hmm. New York. Chicago, Minneapolis, New York, and Washington, D.C., we know we can sell tickets there. Yeah. We have, but L.A., even though it's our second or third largest audience, L.A. is weird. So you have to ask if people in L.A. will go to shows because yeah. there's so many other things to do in L.A. Mm-hmm. It, it's really hit or miss. You could have all the best advertising and marketing in the world and two people show up, or you could never tell anyone and it's sold out. True, true. So that that's why L.A. is a weird market. That's why we're asking about L.A. So yeah. find that tweet if you're in L.A. and you would come to a show. Find that tweet, reply to it, because our tour manager's watching that Twitter feed mm. to see how many how much interest we get in a, in a Los oh, Angeles cool. show. So. Sounds good. All yeah, right. so make a Twitter and then find us. Make a Twitter. Yeah. Find our thing. <laughs> And then, yeah, that'd be great. Follow us on Twitter also. And if you have a chance, uh, subscribe. Um, That's like the number one thing you can do for us uh, for for visibility purposes. Because we really want to try to increase the audience to get the message out there about the Mueller investigation. There's so many people. And I know you guys have run into this in your daily lives where you're like, (laughs) because we eat, sleep, and breathe Mueller. But there are people who are like, "Uh, what's going on with that? I don't even know. They have no clue. And these are educated people, too. A lot of them just don't keep up with this particular news cycle. And there's so much in it. There's too much to keep up with Mm -hmm. is what is the truth. Yeah. And uh, it's it's hard next to impossible. That's why we wanted to start the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's make it easy for you. Yeah, tell a friend. Yeah, tell a friend, and and please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, um, <laughs> and leave us a review. Yeah, yeah, leave us a review. We've done a lot of great reviews lately. Yeah, I want. Uh, we like reading the negative ones, but don't leave us. <laughs> please don't leave anymore. <laughs> we can't take it. Yeah. So to counter the 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 trolls that do that, that's why we need to get the good reviews on there. We appreciate it, and mm-hmm. um, and that's free. That's nothing to to subscribe. And give us a rating. So we really appreciate um, all of our patrons and we really appreciate all of our listeners uh, so much. It's I'm like really super like beside myself and, and honored with you guys. We have like the coolest fan base in the, the history best of podcasts fans. and good people. So funny. You guys are so funny and just <laughs> so engaged and so smart. Uh, it's so awesome. sexy. 
Is that sexual harassment? Probably <laughs> calling our fans sexy in one big group. Yeah, I'll no, cut that we're out. Gonna be sued. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to get too many fans, so we're gonna have creepy people start seeping in. Probably. Oh yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't start the, the creepiness. Let's the John Spurlock uh, thing came up in my memories. I remember. Uh, okay, so John Spurlock was an early hater. Very early, like episode one or two. One or yeah. two. OG hater. Yeah, he is old school hater. And uh, let me see if I can find it here because it popped up in my. <laughs> In my, you know how you do like a time hop or in your old yeah. feed. So he, here's what he said to us on Facebook, uh, wait a year ago, uh, and this we've we've riffed on this comment for mm-hmm. for a long time now. We've got a lot of traction out of this Spurlock. He says, "Oh, I see. You think you're an entertainer. Couldn't find anything useful to do with your life. By the way, I travel a lot and sit in airports. And when your shit comes up on my page, I feel you should also consider my opinion." <laughs> If you do not put up your crap, people with real jobs wouldn't be commenting. Oh yeah, fuck you in the heart, bitch. That's right. Oh that's my like, god, that's the one. Oh Classic yeah, line. I just remembered. Fuck you oh, in yeah. the heart. So, oh yeah, and incidentally, yeah, as an afterthought, fuck just, you in the heart. You know, one more thing. It's a t-shirt idea in the future. <laughs> just oh, put that man. whole thing on the t-shirt. <laughs> the whole thing, or one of those tattoos uh, where people get like a big saying. Or yeah, something. the whole sleeve. That'd be yeah. great. As we're saying this, he's just sitting at home masturbating to this. He's still a fan, I bet. He's he just a grudge tugger. Yeah. Grudge, grudge tug. tug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we came up with for people who uh, love to hate. hate masturbate to our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Master hate. <laughs> yeah. Master haters. <laughs> grudge tuggers. I love it. Good stuff. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, tune in this week. We got a couple uh, bonus minisodes in the book club and all that good stuff. So you don't want to miss it. Um, you can. Listen to those if you're a patron, which you can do for super cheap. Just go to patreon.com slash Miller, she wrote. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday night. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller, she wrote. Muller, she wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner. And our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. They might be giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This happens to pay for with somebody else's money. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van 
with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.